does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Well, the costumes are back in the closet. Some would say we're scarier without the costumes. Uh, with I would say a lot of people, um, frankly. But will Naheem Hines be wearing a different costume than he has been for the past, what, handful of years on Sunday afternoons? That's the question as we begin the month of, of November. Good Tuesday morning to you. Kevin and Query with Mark Dykton, myself, Kevin Bowen, Sam Fritz on the ones and twos and NFL trade deadline day is here and a name that I I, I certainly did not have atop my most likely to be moved list at this time yesterday would have been Naheem Hines but that is the name that has reached the NFL talking heads Um, I certainly found it interesting Mark Dykton that Adam Schefter's day on Twitter yesterday included one trade candidate Yep. Of all the buzz and five trade deadline or five trades we've seen so far, Roquan Smith will get into out of your Bears moved uh, to the Ravens yesterday. That is a big, big name. But out of all potential rumors, all potential names, the one name that Adam Schefter mentions yesterday on Twitter is Naheem Hines. Um, that teams have reached out to the Colts, followed up by Stephen Holder and Joel Erickson, who we'll have on at 830 saying, uh, I think Steven's quote was, there is a, odds are good that Naheem Hines will be moved by 4 o'clock today. What are your thoughts on that? Is that is that a, disappointing is not the word, but of all the all the players that the Colts have that could be available, Naheem Hines is the one that got mentioned? You're kind of like, wow, that's the biggest name? Yeah, you know, disappointing is probably the right word, Mark, because I will go back to the offseason. Before the Colts made a move for Matt Ryan, before they went through free agency and went through the draft and, I should say, free agency and elected not to make any veteran moves, they were all in on Naheem Hines having this bigger role. Draft him on your fantasy team. You're going to love it. Offering up the fantasy football advice. It was, you know, Ballard and Wright almost grouping Hines in with Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. In terms of weapons, Uh, you're paying him to utilize him more than he has been. So part of me sits here and says this, Mark. You're not giving him the type of workload that his contract indicates. We've said this all along with running back, albeit I don't think Hines is exactly a running back. We can get more into that as the show moves along. Um, It's probably the most replaceable position on a football team. And if you're going to look at the Colts' top like 15 paid guys right now, I think Hines is 10th or 11th. If you looked at that list and you said, all right, Kevin, what guy can you go out in the fifth round of the April draft in 2023 and find a rather equivalent replacement for? It would probably be like a versatile running back yeah. out of the backfield. I feel mm-hmm. like every team has some version of that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Khalil Herbert is a little yeah. bit of that. The Bears had that with for the, the Bears. before Even before him, Tariq Cohen. Yeah. So you can kind of find guys like that. Now, again, where you thought it'd be different with Hines is all the offseason chatter – about him. He's extremely durable. I, I don't think we should lose sight of that. He's missed one game in his entire NFL career. Um, but again, of the names that we have talked about late last week and yesterday, 
he would not have qualified in the nope. sense of he's still under contract for a couple more years. He he's young. It's a team that I still worry about just the amount of weapons that you have. Uh, but we'll see how that plays out. I, I the fact that Schefter's saying that, the fact that Steven and Joel, who are very plugged in, um, add to that context. And again, we'll have Joel on at eight thirty. Usually, where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, and I would be very curious if they do end up moving him. The compensation. Because right. mm-hmm. at, a, at a position that is not a premium position for a guy who's not a starter, I got to imagine you're looking at a day three, very late okay. two. I was I, I was curious where, where you were going to go with that. I, I, I thought at early day three, yeah, like maybe. round four, round five? Four seems – Yeah. That seems generous. I know. Gosh. Maybe go four. back to- – if you, if you get offered a four, you should take that and run. Maybe go back to the preseason hype and <laughs> see if you can play up that. Uh, I don't again, think he's going to be the only running back move today either. Really? David Montgomery is interesting. He might be the next one. So we've seen a couple running backs already mm-hmm. moved around the league. Uh, typically, and Schefter tweeted out uh, kind of a graph of this just before the show started. Basically, look for about two to three deadline day uh, trade. So far, we've seen five around the league. It's been pretty busy. Here in 2022. For the NFL's standards of yeah, the NFL again, trade deadline. We can get into the Roquan Smith trade because I'm curious, any sort of Matt Eberflus thoughts on that? Uh, because I think Shaquille Leonard is kind of an, an equivalent um, to Roquan Smith as he moves on to the Ravens. Uh, nice Tuesday morning from a temperature standpoint. I think the rain is out of uh, Indy. I was very happy, Mark Dykton, last night that we pretty much started trick-or-treating like around 5.30, and I swear the rain stopped at like 5.15. Yeah, I was kind of like, well, it's Halloween in the Midwest. It's raining. Looks like it's going to storm big time. And then it kind of just, the Halloween gods are like, you know what? Let's let these kids have fun for a couple hours, and then we can rain some more after that. Now, I rocked the bacon costume out last night. I had a couple kids want to nibble on the bacon. Okay. Um, You're going to get put on a list just for saying that. Well, I just, I'm just trying to paint a picture of what Halloween night looked like for the Bowen family. Um, I was then, rocking the Eddie Munson all night, too. So there I was you go. Walking around there. There's a couple doppelgangers walking we, around. Um, we uh, trick or treated with some of our family uh, a couple streets over, came back to our house, left the bowl out for candy, of course. It was empty. Do you think that that was just a slow progression, or do you think some little you-know-what dumped the entire bowl? I mean, that's the risk you're playing when you leave a bowl out. But we had a bowl out, and our our video doorbell showed that the kids were very, very, uh, you know, they weren't over, they weren't overly, uh, they weren't, no one dumped it in or anything like that. I like that. And we actually had half a bowl left. Makes me feel good about the future of America. So the kids in our our neighborhood were very, uh, shout out to Brownsburg, we're very courteous. They didn't, you know, grab like 15 pieces. We still had half a bowl left. I was like, wow, they could have taken more if they wanted to. It's Mike Wells' influence on school board. I might be there. donating a lot of that because that was a lot of candy that I'm like, I, I don't need all this. No duds, no thank you. I was so happy to see the bowl empty when I got home. I was like, thank the Lord that yeah. I don't have to, you know, yeah. somehow. Yeah. Maybe to I'll send the bag candy. for Rosie. Oh, there, there you go. <laughs> Trust me, she does not need any more. I'm just, I don't want it. Last night, um, an, an unfortunate season-ending injury for the Colts to who I think is a pretty important player. We'll touch on uh, Jonathan Taylor. Watch again. Sounds like he tweaked that ankle on the 27-yard run. He finished the game, but that's something to monitor this week as the Colts head out to the Evil Empire to take on the Patriots. That early line, I, I first saw it. At, I it's like a touchdown right I, now. I thought I saw it at six. Yeah, it's climbing. I think. 
Uh, the Patriots have won three of four. And again, they will host the Colts. Last time the Colts, five and a half, so it's come down a little bit. Uh, last time the Colts won there, I think it was 06. So it's been quite a while for a win in Foxborough. Um, we'll play some of that Miles Turner audio in a little bit. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have already seen his comments. And I thought very candid in answering Adrian Wojnarowski's direct question about the Lakers' interest in him. I have no issue whatsoever, Mark, in Miles being honest. Um, I f- appreciate his candor. Um, if you're going to do that, you can't look as pitiful as you did last night. Yeah. That was awful by him. It was awful from the floor. He airballed a free throw. He had several turnovers. Um, it's the pretty tur- much got benched. I mean, the Pacers were a— Oh, he did get benched, yeah. Carl, I was like, all right, enough of that. The Pacers were a by far worse basketball team with Miles Turner on the floor. I don't say that very often, but they were by far a worse basketball team with him on the floor l- last night. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, the way he's talking, he wants to get moved. I mean, he's been he's been named in trade rumors for, I feel like, five years in a row now. So at this point, you're going to have to rip the Band-Aid off at some point and move him. He obviously wants to go to the Lakers. He's he's looking that way. That kind of puts the Pacers over a barrel because you're not – you can't really negotiate at that point. You're kind of like, well, we have to do this. We're not going to keep him at the trade deadline. Yeah, so. you got to hope other teams get involved. And, yeah, and what, what honestly do you want from the Lakers? I know, just those future they just, picks. They they, just, that's they, all they have is future picks and Russell Westbrook. I want no part of Russell Westbrook yeah. right now. They do not uh, entice me. It was no. an entertaining Pacers game. Uh, hell of a comeback in Brooklyn. They do lose last night, so they round out their five-game road trip. Two and three on the road. That's three and five on the year. Now they are home eight of their next ten. They will not play until Friday with the Heat. And, Mark, I think there is no Pacer on the roster that needed last night more than Chris Duarte. He has struggled this season. Um, I think part of it is just kind of like, what's his fit now moving forward? I think that's a question. He's battled the toe injury. 30 points last night for um, the second-year guard out of Oregon. I just saw the confidence in Duarte we saw last season. I still think, I know Jake and I have debated this a whole lot, I still think he can be a nice six-man piece for this rebuild. And... If and when Buddy Heald gets traded, of course his minutes are going to continue and his shots are going to continue to rise, uh, but a much, much needed li- night last night from him. Confidence galore and uh, easily the bright spot. Kept the Pacers in it for long stretches and then late in the third quarter hit the shot to end the quarter. Uh, that helped spur the comeback and they actually tied it at one point in the fourth quarter before the Nets made all the plays. That's what the I do like about this Pacers team a lot is like they're very young, but they don't really know what they don't know. So there's just young guys stepping up on a game in and game out basis where it's like, okay, Ben Matherin, Benedict Matherin might not have, not have his best game, but now Chris Duarte steps up. Buddy Heald is, I feel like, been very solid to start the season. So they're getting contributions from a lot of guys, whether it's on the bench or in the starting lineup. So when guys like Miles Turner have a minus 21 and the plus minus – you know, you got Chris Duarte stepping up and everything. So I like what they've been doing so far. Uh, Duarte's time in the starting lineup might not be lasting too much longer if Benedict Mathurin continues to uh, get you yeah, all excited. Yeah, I'm curious if and when they crispy. do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, bacon's crispy, trust me. <laughs> Whenever we talk about Benedict. 16 for him last night. Again, a slow first half, similar to Philly a few nights ago, but really stepped up in the third quarter when the Pacers needed it. I did have a little bit of a wrap on his right wrist, so they got something to keep an eye on no Aaron Neesmith last night it was a bit uncharacteristic and I think it's something to watch Mark moving forward we haven't seen the Pacers in a lot of final minute situations this year last night was one of those 
And I thought Halliburton was just a little bit too one-on-one and some over-dribbling by him. He had some turnover. He had a really high turnover number. I don't have the box score in front of me, but it had to have been. He had seven. That is huge. I mean, it's huge for anybody, but that's especially huge for a guy like him. I think that's something to keep an eye on now. Just when they get into more of those situations, who do you turn to in the final minute of games? I understand Halliburton probably feels a little bit of this awkward balance of like, I'm more experienced than Matherin. I should be the guy late. Is Matherin really ready for the final minute stuff? You know, are you running kind of set plays for Buddy Heald at that point? Um, I think this is all part of the Pacers' maturation and growth. You love the comeback. Obviously, Irving and Durant were going to be huge last night, knowing the Nets' struggles this season. Um, They made some big plays late. uh, But that was a little disappointing to see, and I think just kind of an unknown question for the Pacers. I did like how they hung around in the game, though. They They didn't let the Nets get overly comfortable at all. And then um, it will be interesting going forward, though, like you said, with whether Duarte or Halliburton or or uh, Matherin, whoever, you know, maybe even healed. Who do you want the ball in, right. in the hands of at the end of the game? You know, is Matherin like the isolation one-on-one guy? I, I, I don't know if he's that just yet. Obviously, I love him, but I, I don't know if he's that. So I think that is something um, to keep an eye I on. I think he just ride the hot hand of that night and just whoever it is, here. Which last night would have been Duarte yeah. with how good he was. Mm-hmm throughout that one we are gonna have again joel erickson on, on at 8 30 and then i think one of our favorite guests and easily one of our most informative guests about a topic that we will certainly hit a lot on between now and late april when matt ryan was benched last week mark i said to you it's time to start to look at that 2023 draft we're not gonna focus on it end all be all for three hours every no. single day but I think it's time to start to look at it. And we're in the final month of the college football season. This weekend slate is unreal for college football, by the way, tonight. Maction. I love it. Ball State, Well, Kent it's part State. of the 27 days of football. Exactly. So. Maction is alive and well in the month of November. We've got Tennessee, Georgia this weekend, LSU, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson. Uh, you know, the Are you final- and Jake doing something with that? Is that kind of falling through? Well, see – is he going to be jet-lagged still? I think you agree with me on this. Jake has set himself up to act like Clemson is going to lose this game. So oh, when they win, week. he can then spin it and say, man, what a gutty win, you know, on the road. Um, I just didn't think that they'd go in there and get that win. Clemson's been playing with fire, you know. Clemson's coming off a bye. Just so unfair, the scheduling with this. Notre Dame had to go to Syracuse last week. Got a nice win. Um, I think four and a half, the Irish underdog. Mm-hmm. In that one. Seems uh, like you're kind of pulling the reverse. You're already like, ah, oh, geez, we haven't really... We're up against the wall right here, this and that. I thought the O-line looked really good last week for the Irish. Drew Pine couldn't start for, you know, Westfield. Um, that worries me. But in that environment, maybe they can drum up a little bit of the magic they had a few years ago and try to pull off the upset. Jake sent me a text last night as we were trick-or-treating, and I was like... Did I get? Did you get hacked? What he, he sent me a uh, WWE clip. He was watching uh, Monday Night Raw in Italian in his hotel room. What? I'm like, what are you doing with your time right now? Yeah, nothing says go to Europe like dialing up and I'm, WWE. I'm walking around the neighborhood with a kid, so I like, I just turned on. I hear like, I hear you know a language that isn't English. Is like, oh, is that WWE in Spanish? Because I'm like, I don't know. Are you in, still in Spain? Where are you at right now? I could see it's him Italian. doing Italian. I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm trick or treating with the children right now. And you're in your hotel room on a uh, cross-continental crew, uh, trip, and you're watching Raw in Italian? 
I could easily see get him get your doing life that in order, man, for, for like twenty minutes. Oh uh, yeah, Shannon, we're, we're gonna watch this. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was, I was like, sorry, I didn't know where you were. He's like, no, no, we're going back to Spain tomorrow or whatever. He's like, this is, this is pretty interesting. I'm like, oh my god. Uh, what was the one piece of candy you saw dive into your daughter's buckets that you thought, oh boy, that is gonna be dad's at some point? Uh, king size Reese's. <sighs> king size. King size Reese's went in there, and I'm a fan of like, I don't mind the Sour Patch Kids. I don't mind the you know the Tootsie Roll Pops and the Blow Pops. Those are all good too. So I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know if you guys need gum or Tootsie Rolls or anything like that. So I'm kind of like eyeing those for for later later dates. You know, I saw a couple Jolly Ranchers I hadn't Jolly seen Ranchers in a while, and done. I was like, you know what? I think those would be mine. Yeah, you do. You always like. You don't want to have Reese's 100 percent of the time. You got to mix it up a little. No, bit. No, you still want to enjoy with them. some sour or right. some. Some non-chocolate, so mix uh, it up. The So Dane Brugler, by the way, is going to join us. I think it'll the, be the first of many visits from him that N- we'll be talking to him. NFL draft expert from The Athletic. He's outstanding with his coverage, and I think we'll obviously focus on the quarterback position. Um, you know, Curious how he views C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young at the top of this class. What about Will Levis? What about Hendon Hooker? Other names we should be watching. Um, I'm going to ask him about Aiden O'Connell. Mm-hmm. Mark, you know, someone was chatting with me a few weeks back and saying, you know, if this was 10, 15 years ago, would Aiden O'Connell be a day two draft pick? I'm just interested in his thoughts as we get to the final month here. Colts need more help, too. Offensive line. Of the college that, football season. Uh, there's some offensive linemen that could be intriguing and stuff. So there's there's a lot to dive into with Dane. Yeah, where exactly the depth is in the 2023 draft class. Um, Really, really feel for Tyquan Lewis. Uh, that injury announced, or I should say confirmed, by Frank Reich yesterday for the second straight year. I mean, this is literally just a poor film, Mark. This guy, last year on Halloween, we all remember the play. Tennessee, interception, he's returning it. All of a sudden, it looks like he just gets, like, sniped, just falls to the ground. Uh, Patella injury, which I think in the knee injury rankings, the most difficult to come back from right now. Patella tendon seems to be above ACL and MCL of how you view things. So he tears that or ruptures it in a contract year. The fact that he's made it back and has looked as good as he has this season is really impressive. The Colts gave him a one-year prove-it deal. I think he's one of the most, you know, he gets a lot of one-on-one matchups with the attention towards Buckner and, and even Grover Stewart. He's part of their pass rush package. Um, I saw a stat where, I think he was third in the NFL, entire NFL last week in pass rush win rate. I mean, he is consistent. He's versatile. And as you're waiting for Dio Dangbo, you're praying and hoping Ben Banigou does something. He's been a guy that has been very important. And obviously the quitty pay injury situation has played into that. And then we saw on Sunday, he's go he goes down early on that final drive. And maybe it's a little thing, but I'm curious, like, if he would have been out there for that final drive, do you drum up a little bit more of a pass rush? Maybe. He gets hurt, and it is the same exact injury. Ruptured patellar tendon in the other knee. Yeah. His season is over. It's another contract year for him, and you just absolutely feel for him. Another long road to recovery, too. And, you know, when you get two of these, Mark, and both knees, I mean, how can you not start to think, is this a little bit of career ending? Yeah. I I mean, yeah, 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 you hate to go there, but um, that was a thought that crept in my head yesterday. But it's got to be absolutely just deflating, like knowing how hard you work to get back 
and now you've got to do the exact same rehab process to get all the way back, and it's in your other knee now. I mean, I can't imagine it being much more deflating than that. Like, if it's in my one knee, that's fine. Now you're telling me it's my other knee? Like, you just feel for me. My heart sank when I read that yesterday for him. Like, that's just absolutely brutal. Like, that's just a card that should not get dealt to anybody. You know, he has been starting for Quidipay. Um if everyone is healthy on the defensive line, I think he would rotate in and be with that pass rush group on third downs. Um, but he is very important. I mean, a very important piece to a position group that obviously rotates a lot. Again, he's a versatile guy. He's a trustworthy guy. Um, and you know what? Similar to his Ohio State teammate, you know, injuries have been a bit of a question for him. They were early in his career. Um, he missed 15 games his first two seasons. Uh, he played every single game in 2020. Then last year, his season ends at the midway point. This year, his season ends at the midway point. Uh, asked Frank Reich yesterday about Quiddy Pay. He's hopeful for his return. It's been three games. You would think, based on the fact that Quiddy Pay didn't go on injured reserve, that he should be returning this week. Um, so that'll be something to watch. And then again, Jonathan Taylor. Um, I went back and watched the game yesterday, Mark, and at halftime. You know, the halftime report last week was, and we have Matt Ryan. This week, a little bit more subdued from the um, halftime. Jen Hale, I believe, from Fox was her name. But she did mention that in her conversation with Frank Reich, Frank wasn't 100% sure if Jonathan Taylor would finish the game. So the fact that he did, um, and we know how Taylor reacted to the ankle sprain in previous weeks, I just think that is certainly a name and an injury to watch. Yeah, I mean, that's not as fun of a audio drop as we have Matt Ryan. No, it's not. That one's not going to get replayed on the show, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're just itching to go back over there. And I know. I hear I'm, like, fidgeting a little bit. Yeah, you could have had some Gilmore action I know. yesterday, I don't, right? don't, don't tell me about it. I know. I'm fully aware. But, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. The Colts have a lot of questions. They've got a, a lot of holes going on, and then – They've got the trade deadline today. So yeah, will they actually gonna, be bold and do something, or are they going to stand pat like they usually do? It'll be interesting. And then, and then is is Naeem Hines the only name on there? Maybe there's a name that hasn't been you know brought up that is going under the radar. We're going to chat a lot about that. Curious your guys' thoughts. Kbo and 1070 on Twitter. Mark D 1075 If you want to join the conversation via the phone line, you can as well. 317-239-1070. Uh, do you want to see Naheem Hines moved? What would you like to see back for him? Any other names on that list? Again, 4 o'clock, NFL trade deadline day is here. Uh, no game three last night. Mother Nature uh, impacting Philly. So that now pushes everything back a day. So we'll have game three tonight, four and five, Wednesday and Thursday. So that means Thursday night. You will have the Phillies hosting the Astros in game five in Philly. And then you will have the Eagles at the Texans in Houston. Yep. That should be a pretty calm night in Philly, I'd imagine. In the Philly market, what gets a higher rating? Boy, um, I'm going to say Phillies and Astros because I think a lot of people, maybe Eagles and Texans isn't exactly the most marquee matchup. Now, now if the Texans were a little better, maybe. But it's also an Amazon Prime, which... People might not have access to. Granted, you would get that in your local market on your regular television. I'm going to say the World Series trumps Thursday Night Football featuring the Texans and Eagles, though. What say you? Yeah, I would probably agree, but I am thinking about it. 
Uh, maybe the first quarter is a little bit of a close rating. Do you put the game on in the stadium, like oh, on the video board no, a little bit? No, you can't do that. Not even a little bit? Uh, regular season game, you can't do that to your Phillies. That's true. Now, if they're going for the clinch or something like that. What if they do it at like a commercial break? At a commercial break, they do live Maybe look-ins. pop up the score. Okay. But I, I don't think you can go with the full game on. Uh, as someone with expertise in that, that area, you really don't have to put the game on. You'll just hear it. The link and, and Citizens Bank are right across from each other. Well, the game's in Houston. Oh. The uh, yeah, Thursday night game. In that case, no. You let, you let the Phillies focus on that series. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you need to sweat the Texans. I think that's one that, that Eagles fans are like, I feel pretty comfortable, you know, if I sit this one out or if I just flip between channels. Speaking Two TV of- night in Philly, though. Speaking of comfortable, the Browns very comfortable last night, 32-13 over the Jamar Chase less Bengals. Fifth straight win. That was a pretty over Cincinnati. That was a dud of a Monday night game. I still can't believe they got Amari Cooper for that price. Yep. Makes you think. Fifth rounder. Swap six and a fifth rounder for Amari Cooper. Nick Chubb, a couple touchdowns there. Um, Again, Thursday night are now Eagles and Texans. Did you get any Jacoby Brissett? Tweets in your timeline yesterday? Um, I actually just got a text. Should we bring back Uncle Uncle Jacoby? Yeah, I was seeing that a bit yesterday. It's like, you want to do this again? You want to go down this rabbit hole? Is that Sam Ellinger's future? Jacoby Brissett? Or is there more there? I mean, it's hard to gauge on just one NFL start, but right. I have to imagine that he's on pace for that. I, I, would, I would put my money on that future more than, you know, Top 20 starter. There are a couple things Ellinger related I want to touch on, and uh, Joel Erickson's going to join us at 8.30 today. Again, Dane Brugler to talk NFL Draft at 9.30. We'll play that Miles Turner audio coming up here in a bit. And I'm uh, curious your guys' thoughts on the trade deadline. Nice temperature to start this Tuesday morning. November is here. Thanks for tuning in to Kevin and Query with Mark Dykton and Kevin Bowen. 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Let's get this Tuesday morning started with a morning check down. The Pacers could not upset the Brooklyn Nets a second time in a row. They fell to the Brooklyn Nets 116-109. The Nets snapped their four-game losing streak. Kevin Durant, 36 points. Kyrie Irving, 28. It was a solid night for Chris Duarte, who had uh, 30 points for the Pacers. Buddy Heald continues to impress in the early season, 22 points there. Not a good night for Miles Turner, no. who wants to get dealt to the Lakers, which we'll get into Oof. that a little bit more later in the show. Ugly for Miles. Yeah, Water finally found its level shooting-wise for the Pacers. Franchise record 23 threes in the win on Saturday. They missed all 12 from behind the arc in the first half, or first quarter. Got down big. Did tie it late. It was tied at 100. Hell of a comeback. Like you said, Mark Duarte spurred it, but cannot make the plays down the stretch there. Tyrese Halliburton, seven turnovers. Uh, Pacers will now be at home on Friday against Miami. Other notable games in the NBA last night. Sixers run their win streak to three in a row. They beat the Wizards 118-111. The Raptors blew out the Hawks 139-109. Bucks topped the Pistons 110-108. Last night, Mother Nature postponed game three of the World Series. So that'll be tonight, Phillies and Astros. Phillies Phillies going with a different pitcher. They're not going with Syndergaard tonight. You know, I ran into a big Phillies family last night. We're talking Lenny Dykstra jerseys. um, Do you have the big shoe in his mouth, too? Well, this was the mom. Oh, Um, She did not. Uh, All the kids were decked out, and uh, the dad was thrilled about the rain. Said we can reset the order, get back to Nola and Wheeler a little bit earlier. 
in the series. So, yeah, I don't know if it'll be Syndergaard or not. I mean, according to this, this is Ranger Suarez. Yeah, we'll, we'll get uh, the nod. Ranger Suarez is supposed to be on the mound tonight, which if I'm stepping out of my Phillies fan persona is nerve-wracking for me. Well, you got to have a throwaway game, right? Well, we already lost one. Well, I mean, we got to get back to Nolan Wheeler, I guess. We're going to what's essentially going to be a bullpen game because Suarez does not go into the fifth inning, ever. And so it's going to be our bullpen competing against Houston's bullpen, which is not a good matchup. So is the, it Lance McCullers for Houston? Yes, yes, yeah, it is. Lance McCullers. So hit the under in uh, Philly's starting pitcher innings. You're saying that? Yeah, I honestly I would put my money on Suarez does not even start the fifth inning. Okay, well, eight oh three first pitch for that one if you're interested. Thirty two thirteen last night Browns over Bengals on Monday Night Football. Nick Chubb two TDs. Amari Cooper with a touchdown. Uh, it was ugly by Cincinnati. That's now a four or excuse me five straight Cleveland over Cincinnati in that matchup. We actually have some college basketball tonight, too. Exhibition games for Butler. They take on Davenport at 7 o'clock, also at 7 o'clock. Indiana State, I'm going to butcher this name, takes on Tuscolman. Tuscolum? Sounds good. Sure. Sounds like a city that Jake might be visiting in Italy. That's a game that's happening tonight. There um, might have Thad Bata on later this week. Last week we talked a little IU basketball. We'll get into Purdue and Butler this week with their uh, college basketball seasons getting underway shortly. Uh, as far as the Colts yesterday, again, we're going to touch on the Naheem Hines trade rumors coming up here in a few minutes. Uh, but the biggest news and unfortunate news from yesterday, Tyquan Lewis, a patella ruptured a, the patella tendon in his left knee. Last year, it was the same injury in his right knee. Ironically enough, last year was on Halloween. This year on October 30th, his season is over. Bobby Okereke yesterday on Tyquan Lewis. It hurts, um, especially I feel like Taekwondo's playing his best football. Uh, really kind of got a groove, um, starting playing really well this season. Um, so a lot of prayers, love for him, his family. Yeah, it, it's tough and, and it hurts, but um, we're going to rally around him. And, you know, there's a lot of good guys in that group that can step up and try to match his level of performance. Quiddy Pay, Dio Dangbo. Need to be atop that list. We'll see if Quiddy gets back this week from his ankle injury, and you need Dio Dangbo now. You know, you, this happened last year where Dio made his debut right when Taekwon went, went down. Um, you need something because Ngakwe has not been, I think, the pass rusher we thought he would be. And he, again, he's not a three down guy. And we knew that coming into the year. He's 230 some pounds. Taekwon Lewis is a versatile guy. So that is a big, big loss for the Colts. Time to start seeing the, uh, the guys you put draft stock in to start. Bearing some fruit here. Yes, I would agree with that. He's Mark Dykton. I'm Kevin Bowen. Sam Fritz with us on this Tuesday morning. Naheem Hines, that is the name right now on the trade block. Four o'clock today is the deadline. Um, we'll talk about that coming up next and play some Miles Turner audio in a bit. Kevin and Query on a Tuesday morning. Kevin and I were talking in the break. Uh, big fan of the adult Halloween stuff. Uh, if you have kids, you might know what I'm talking about, where the uh, the kids have their own trick-or-treat sections, but then people make like hand you out a beer, or oh, make yeah. up some shots or alcohol. Big, spiked action. Big, big fan of the adult Halloween. I, I like that part a lot. Yeah, I was settling back in at home, um, some rum chata action last mm-hmm. night for myself, and I had, I think, I think I was on candy number three of Rosie's, just put her down to sleep, and all of a sudden, I see this Naheem Hines tweet from Adam Schefter, and that Certainly piqued my interest. Um, for those that missed it, Schefter tweeted last night, teams have reached out to the Colts to inquire about trading for Naheem Hines. Uh, for what it's worth, that was the only player Schefter tweeted about yesterday in regards to that. Stephen Holder, who I 
knowing Steven, I don't think he would do this just to do it. Uh, he tweeted out, odds are good that Hines will be traded by tomorrow's deadline. That would be today at 4 o'clock. Mark, when I initially thought it, or saw this, um, I was surprised to see that name. But then I quickly went to, if the Colts are fielding calls and the Colts are having dialogue on Hines, that's all I've asked for this team to do over the yeah. last week. So... I commend them for that because I don't think in past years they would have entertained the calls to the degree that it looks like they are doing with Hines. Um, So I'm a fan of that. We've said all along, just be listeners, reach out, be open to making some moves. You don't know who's going to be desperate. We'll get in the Roquan Smith trade here in a few minutes. You could point to what Baltimore's doing and say that is a bit of desperation in the sense of Roquan Smith's a free agent coming up next year. Lamar Jackson still is due big, big money. Um, With Hines, I think he can be of value for you. I think it's a shame how underutilized he's been this season. He has his lowest rushing attempts of his career this year. Um, Outside of the seasons with Andrew Luck and Phillip Rivers, I think it's the third fewest amount of catches he's had per game in his career. Um, but if I were to make a list of the top 15 highest paid Colts and Hines falls into that group and you said to me, which player can you replace with a fourth or fifth round pick? It would probably be Hines. And when I think of r- return value, if you get that out of a, if you get a fourth or fifth rounder for him, and now all of a sudden that contract becomes a whole lot less, I understand where the Colts are coming from on that. I just wish he was utilized more because I think he'll go somewhere else and he'll flourish. Yeah, I think the Naheem Hines thing is kind of how I saw it too. I was like, well, that's a name that I didn't think about, but that's one that makes a lot of sense. Like that's one that they haven't utilized him much. And if we've that's all we've asked for is if someone's calling, no matter who the player is on the team, be open to it. Just listen, see what they want. And obviously, there's some, at least one team out there that's inquiring about Naheem Hines, but apparently there's multiple teams. So maybe you got a little bit of a bidding war for right, his services. Right, uh-huh. drive what, up some value. I would be, I will be surprised if they get a fourth round pick. I'm gonna guess it's gonna be in the fifth, sixth round category if they right. deal him. But hey, that's all we've been asking for. You're not doing much with him. He is replaceable. You can find running backs late that have flourished all over the drafts, all over on other teams' rosters. He is one of those guys that you can. You can find a replacement for. And I do want to make this clear, Mark. You know, a lot of people were tweeting at me last night. Oh, this is smart. Deion Jackson, you know, does what Naheem Hines um, has given this team. I would disagree with that. I think Hines is much more of a receiving threat as a receiver. You know, when Jackson had the big night against Jackson or the big day against Jacksonville a few weeks ago, that was just check down central out of the backfield. Um, Hines again lines up as a receiver and gives you something out there because that's well, that, that, that his catch he made background. against the that catch he made against the Commanders the other day. That's a catch that I don't think too many running no, backs are making. I don't think Deion Jackson no is doing that. Um, Stephen Holder just tweeted this to be clear: the Naheem Hines talks are real and ongoing. I'm referring to players beyond him. Um, he was referencing what we brought up in the opening segment on trade deadline day. Uh, we haven't seen a ton in the NFL. I think it's usually right around two or three trades on deadline day itself around the league. Yeah, well, I mean, we've, we've seen a few names moved already, so it's been, what do we see? We've seen Roquan, Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn. I feel like there's a, 
I'm missing somebody. There's a wide receiver that's been moved. Well, Christian McCaffrey, Christian James, McCaffrey, yeah, James Christian Robinson. McCaffrey, James Robinson, yeah. Uh, let's touch on Roquan Smith here for a second. Um, that is the Bears trading the NFL's leading tackler, the same draft class as Shaquille Leonard. He went, what, just a – did he go the pick right after Quentin Nelson or – like him, Quentin yeah, Nelson, was, and Josh was, Allen were right like in the same order. He was right around there, yeah. Um, he goes to Baltimore for a second and a fifth. I would say what stands out to me about this, Mark, is how much do you read into Matt Eberflus saying to management, we don't necessarily value Roquan Smith at the contract he's going to command? Uh, and does that influence at all – how the Colts should view Shaquille Leonard, or am I reading way too much into that? I don't think you're reading too much into it, by the way. Roquan Smith went eighth overall in the uh, 2018 draft, and obviously uh, Quentin Nelson went sixth. So he went two picks so later. Nelson, Josh Allen, Roquan, Roquan Smith, Smith in that order? Yep. Uh, no, I, I think you're spot on there. I think uh, the offseason, the new regime coming in, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, uh, Roquan Smith obviously was entering a contract year. He wanted to be paid. Like a time, top linebacker and lead, like a la your, Sha- your Shaq Leonard's, your Fred Warner's. So he was going to command about a $20 million contract. That was the rumor heading into training camp and all that. They kind of were at a stalemate. They ended up agreeing that, hey, we'll play out your year this year and go forward. Obviously, they've they realized that, hey, we're not going to be able to sign him. We're going to have a ton of salary cap space in 2023. But he's he's a guy that, you know, maybe that's not – it's not a non. It's not a premium position linebacker. So maybe they said we can spend that twenty million dollars on maybe a top flight wide receiver for Justin Fields, or you can fix the offensive line or something like that. So they found him expendable. They got a second and a fifth for a guy who's on an expiring deal. So now the Ravens have a decision to make too. Are you going to sign him to the twenty million dollar deal? You still have Lamar Jackson's contract that you haven't figured out yet. So is Roquan Smith going to get paid before Lamar Jackson? That would be something. So uh, I like the move. I like Roquan Smith a lot. I think he can help. He's definitely going to help the Ravens defense. But it was one of those positions where it's a non-premium position now in the league, similar to running back, where it's guys that you can find replacements for. So and, I, I would rather they save the $20 million and invest it somewhere else, maybe in a couple players, rather than just one linebacker. And again, I understand the move from both sides of it. Uh, Chicago obviously is early in their rebuild, um, so you see – Things like this happen when a new regime takes over. Um, oftentimes, they do not want to pay the previous regime's you know top guys, and that's happening here with Roquan Smith. I mean, and they're going to be—it's going to be a late second pick, because the Ravens, by all right. accounts, mm-hmm. should be should be right in the the hunt for the playoffs and whatnot. Same with the Robert Quindy; it'll be a late fifth with the Eagles. But, but the you're Bears, getting something on a guy that would have walked, right? That would have walked, and you're going to get you know. You're racking up draft picks right now as you speak, and you have over like $125 million in the salary so cap room to go eight forward. Eight picks in the first five rounds, so yeah. plenty of flexibility. A first, two seconds, a third, two fourths, two fifths, and a seventh right now. Let's head to the phone lines. Adam wanted to talk about Naheem Hines. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, I just wanted to talk Naheem Hines. I think you're right. I think he's been very underutilized, but... I think his replacement is on the roster and Deion Jackson. I think he showed us that he can he can catch some balls out of the backfield and kind of be flexed out as well. But I think the other piece here that that they need to be cognizant of is where Naeem Hines is going. Uh, definitely don't want to bring him, put him on another team in the division. Uh, maybe send him over to a team out west or something like that. But that'd be that'd be one thing that I'd want them to be very cognizant of is where he goes. 
Uh, thank you, Adam, for that. I, I, I would push back just a little bit on Deion Jackson being the exact equivalent. I think Hines is a shiftier athlete. Um, and again, I thought a couple weeks ago it was Jackson more of just coming out of the backfield and being the beneficiary of Matt Ryan dumping some balls off. He had a really nice afternoon, but I think Hines can give you a little bit more if you were to utilize him. Mark brought up the wheel route from Sunday. That's a play that I don't think a lot of running backs can make. It's a beautiful catch by Hines. I think you saw his wide receiver background on that play. Obviously, as a return man, uh, we, we've seen him provide a jolt or two in that in that area of the game. That's something you don't see Jackson with. So, um, Having said that, if you're going to utilize him to the degree that you have, which isn't very much, then, yeah, from a contract standpoint, you're not getting a whole lot of return. I mean, Naeem Hines is making top 15 running back money. Yeah. Colts don't utilize him like that at all. And and I would push back even more, a little bit more on Adam. I, I I mean, if the Titans come calling or the Jaguars come calling and they have the highest highest offer. Yeah, I don't really you, care where he goes. Yeah, I don't mind if he's in the AFC South. He, he's, you play him, what, twice a year? Who cares? Big deal. Yeah, I, If you're getting the highest return for a guy that you're not utilizing and a division opponent wants him, okay. Yeah, fine by me. I would, uh, I would go uh, with that. That, as that well. bothers me zero. Who uh, else? Let's go with uh, who should we go with next? Sam. Mike, uh, Mike is online too. What's up, Mike? Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, you know, happy November first. Mariah's I, uh, warming up the pipes as we speak. <laughs> yeah, she definitely is. Hey, Mark, I, I am curious real quick, uh, what kind of candy you had in that bucket that half of the bucket survived? Because so, uh, I heard milk duds, and uh got me questioning your choice. No, no, no. So so my wife and I actually – my wife actually thought of this. Like, we were like, what kind of candy should we put out? Like, we got the house now. We should put something out. And so we did a couple trunk or treats with the girls, and we're kind of like, well, wait a minute. They have all this candy that they already don't need. Why don't we just use the trunk or treat candy? So we did that. So we saved money there, and we just pooled the candy that they weren't going to eat anyway – so they had, we had a whole bunch. There, there was milk duds in there. That one, I was like, we can throw those out, I think. But there was a bunch of suckers. There was Hershey's. There was Reese's. There's all kinds of oh, stuff. That's, that's it was a smorgasbord. Per- yeah, that is a smorgasbord of Halloween candy. So we gave the kids the option of what do you want? The stuff that they left, I'm, I'm assuming, is the garbage candy they didn't want. I saw some milk duds in there. I would agree that's garbage candy. Uh, I would throw that out too. But no, we had a smorgasbord, so uh, everybody could have whatever they wanted. You'll love to hear it. Um, so my question is with this with this Heinz thing, I'm okay with moving on from players at this point. I'm just wondering if uh, if this is showing kind of how how bad the front office is handling everything. To, to do my best query uh, and, and drop an analogy, it kind of feels like uh, Frank and, and Chris are in a horse costume and one's a tail end and one's a head and they can't walk a straight line to save their lives. Look at so, that. Uh, <laughs> how about that visual to start the month of November right there? Thank you, Mike, Thanks. for the call. Um I, I do think the fact that, you know, Naheem Hines could be moved right now, Mark, is a reflection on clearly um, a coaching staff that has not utilized him in the way that they publicly stated throughout the offseason. I mean, they were they were adamant. This is way before Matt, Matt Ryan. Naheem Hines is going to be a huge, huge focal point, uh, heavily utilizing him. It's a reason why they felt like they didn't go out and make wide receiver and tight end moves. They're like, no, we got this weapon. It's Hines. You know, Winston and get him the ball enough. I thought at times last year they didn't play Hines enough, like he was just on the sideline. And I thought with Ellinger on Sunday, Mark, we started to see a little bit more of the Hines-Taylor package with Ellinger in the backfield. Like I think there is a lot of things you can do with those running threats, those versatile threats, that Ellinger kind of opens up a little bit more of that. It is just weird that it took that long. Like 
Words and actions are two different things, I feel like, with this organization. Yeah, draft him. Draft him on your fantasy team. He'll be great. And then it takes, you know, benching Matt Ryan and putting Sam Ellinger in there to be like, hey, maybe we should utilize this guy a little bit more. Like, what took so long? I don't get it. So, I mean, if he's on the trade block again, he's got some value, obviously, but why it's taking you so long to, you know, utilize a guy that you claim is going to be such a major part of your offense and you made some offseason moves regarding how you viewed him in your locker room. Like, I don't I don't get the point of that. So I, I touched on this very weird. briefly yesterday, Mark, but I'm very curious to see what the Colts do at linebacker. Zaire Franklin, re-signed last year. He's been a great player for you this season. Three-year deal. Shaquille Leonard under contract for what? Probably at least three more years, if not four. Mm-hmm. And you've got Bobby Okereke and EJ Speed in contract years. You typically play two to three linebackers in a game depending on how much you're using nickel and having an extra db on the field and if there's a position that chris bauer has proven he can draft very well at it's linebacker so on paper i'm seeing four guys for two maybe three spots i see two guys in a contract year and i know that ballard has had really good history in drafting even day three linebackers i'm not just talking leonard or even okarake in round three, you've got a log jam at a position. Yeah, that's a position group. I'm thinking to myself, could you move one of them and maybe find a player equivalent to that guy, like on the offensive line or tight end? I think a veteran tight end would help this group out right now. I think they have struggled with finding consistency and finding boring at tight end. I think they desperately miss Jack Doyle. And that's a position that I think could use a little bit of a jolt right now. So linebacker is one that, again, I this is my opinion. I'm not hearing chatter inside the building on that. But there seems to be a bit of a um, logjam on that. This from Kev, caller of the day, goes to the guy with the horse costume analogy. Uh, such a good one. Some people in chat said, I wanted an analogy-free week. I was like, well. Well. Sorry. Yeah. That wasn't us. Jet lag Jake on Thursday. Prepare accordingly. <laughs> Might have to start doing those adult Halloween drinks to pregame the show on Thursday, right? Yeah. I, I'm going to save some. Recycle some Halloween I'll candy. I'll slide you may, like a, a chocolate can. pudding shooter, one of the ones that Thank they you. gave out yesterday. But here you go. Here's a gummy that's got way too much vodka on it. Hey. The, the adult gummy bears. I was like, this is strong, ma'am. This is very strong. No, nothing says a Monday night like that. He's Mark Dykton. I'm Kevin Bowen. 8 o'clock hour coming up. We'll continue this conversation and play that Miles Turner clip. Um, as well. Joel Erickson, 8.30. Dane Brugler to talk NFL Draft at 9.30. I feel like the last time I saw the sun was mid-October. It's been a while. Doesn't NFL, look great out there. No, it is not. Overcast here in Indy. Uh, NFL trade deadline coming up at 4 o'clock. Naheem Hines is probably one of the more popular names right now around the league. Um drawing some interest. I saw there's a report out there that two top teams have interest in him. Classify as Nick Sirianni's Eagles. Uh, that's one I immediately thought of. Sirianni, always a big fan. Again, I think one of the things um, a guy like Sirianni or the Colts have liked about Hines and um, is not a given at that position. Extremely durable. Missed one game in his NFL career and versatile. And that's a pretty good weapon to have um, for an offensive skill guy. I thought this was interesting from Thomas in the YouTube chat. Is Paris Campbell's health and production making Hines expendable? I want to start here. I think it's a little early to just 
bank on Paris Campbell, boom, 17 games, put it down in Sharpie marker. He's going to be healthy for the next three years. Like his track right, and I don't know, maybe the Taekwon Lewis scar tissue from yesterday is alive, and I'm just like, oh gosh, I can't go there yet. But I also want to say, I thought Sunday was the most impressed I've been with Campbell in the NFL. Mark, you think about the big place he had. He drew the pass interference penalty. By the way, Sam Ellinger, great job on that play of just looking. He knew he was going to Campbell the whole time. Looks left, gets that safety to look left. I think it was Alec Pierce maybe down the left side. And then, boom, came back to Campbell in one really fluid motion. Great ball. Drew the pass interference penalty. Campbell had a 38-yard screen, one of the longest catches of his career. He had a 28-yard jet sweep, the longest run of his career. Mark, think about that. Both those plays, he gets the ball behind the line of scrimmage. And yet he does Yeah, he does all the work. The heavy lifting post catch. The screen was blocked up very well, but he made a beautiful cut back towards the middle of the field. That's the Ohio State side of Campbell. Um, I often forget with him, he was a high school running back. He gets to Ohio State and Urban Myers taking Percy Harvin with him. And there were some Percy Harvin type roles for him at Ohio State. I thought yesterday or, or Sunday was the first time we've seen him in that role, flourishing, taking the ball in kind of easy jet sweep screen situations and then saying, watch what I can do with it in my hands. The Paris Campbell you know, progression that he's had the last couple of weeks is a reason why I thought maybe he might be a name to watch at the trade deadline. I could feel like you sell high on him where he's had some injury issues and all that stuff. You could be like, well, other teams are starting to see, like, hey, this guy can do something. And I know the Colts need weapons, and maybe you want to hang on to Paris Campbell since you've invested so much time into him. But if you sell high on a guy and you get a nice return, that was one that I was like, oh, Paris Campbell could be a name to watch. But Naheem Hines is the one that we're hearing, so maybe Paris Campbell takes over kind of that role where he's more of a versatile running back wide receiver punt returner combo. Terry asks about Naheem Hines in Kansas City. Why do I feel like Kansas City has 13 Naheem Hineses? Yeah. I feel like they have way too many. The trade for Kadarius Tony last mm-hmm. week. Yeah, we'll see if they can get him on track. A ton of talent. Uh, Eagles, lot of injuries, Eagles lot have to be. Field. Eagles have to be the favorite landing spot for Hines, don't you think? Far and away, it would make sense. Yeah, it make a lot of sense. Um, okay, let's head back to the phone lines. David wanted to chat about Mr. Hines. David, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hey, um, I I just think we need to keep Neon Hines because JT's banged up with that ankle, and uh, he's a pretty good weapon to have. And I'm just thinking, let's get rid of Jackson because he's a pretty good running back. Hines is, and uh, JT's banged up, and I really like Hines out of the backfield catching balls. And um, I'd hate for him to go to Chicago because I know he'll probably go to Chicago or the Eagles or somewhere, but I just think we need to keep Hines and send Jackson off. You know what I'm talking about? Thank you, David, for that. Uh, Jackson is not going to merit any sort of value. Yeah, yeah. Any, I mean, by Jackson, getting rid of it means you're actually getting rid of him. Yeah, Jackson could have been cut at the end of camp. I mean, there's a, a, a there's no way for this not to sound like I'm dissing Deion Jackson. There's a lot of Deion Jacksons in the NFL. Hines is a punt returner lining up at wideout. He has 60 catch seasons in his career. Again, he's much shiftier than Jackson. They're 40 time. You know, Hines is probably quicker in the 40. Um, but I would just think like laterally they are different. Um, so yeah, Deion Jackson would not get whatever you're hoping a fifth rounder is that kind of the well if it is it's not gonna be with the eagles because jamie in the chat sent me this way uh the eagles don't have a fourth or fifth or sixth round pick in 2023 really 
Yeah. Wow. They've got a, they've got two firsts, one of their own, and then one from the Saints. They got a second and a third and a seventh that they own, and then they've got a seventh from the Vikings. So they've got no fourth, fifth, or sixth round picks in 2023. So if you are shipping them to the Eagles, either that's going to be a seventh round pick, or you're looking at 2024. That's so interesting. That kind of takes a little wind out of the sails for the Eagles. Joel Erickson will touch on this more with us in about 20 minutes, Mark. But again, when I saw this news last night. To to David's call right there, I, I am probably a little bit more on the, I'd be okay with him keeping Hines. And you guys know full well, I haven't said that about a lot of people on this roster over the last week. I think you listen to everybody, and no one's untouchable, and I would be more prone to moving on from some guys than probably most. Hines is one that I still think it's just been your own malpractice with his utilization than anything. So if you're committed to utilizing him, then I think he can have a nice role for you. And again, I think Ellinger kind of helps accentuate that a little bit more. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but when I saw the Schefter news last night, I'm thinking to myself, wow, the Colts are actually listening. They are open-minded to this. I'm intrigued. Is anyone else potentially on their radar? And again, we'll ask Joel this, but, you know, I don't want to like read too much into NFL sourcing, but... It really doesn't do a whole lot of good for like Naheem Hines' agent necessarily to reach out to Schefter and be like, "Hey, um, I guess te- I guess teams are calling about my client. Put that out um, there for me." Yeah, it's not like you're benefiting from a cap standpoint. Right. That would be more of the Colts saying, "Hey, let's drum up more interest. Let's see if other teams will realize, hey, Hines is available. Let's call the Colts and see what happens there." I might be reading too much into it, but that's something I want to ask Joel. Some of my favorite things from coach speak is well we need to get insert player's name involved more well you're the coach <laughs> right involve them more exactly. that's on you and in frank's case he's a play caller yeah oh we need to get the tight ends involved more well call some more plays to the tight end then fewest rushing attempts per game of naheem hines's career this year 3.6 receptions per game um the only time he's had less than that was with jacoby and carson Wentz. somebody said what about the bills possibly going for naheem hines Another weapon for Josh Allen. Now they drafted James Cook, right? He was thought to be kind of that guy, so. wasn't he? Mm-hmm. But yeah, if we're r- talking about contenders, right? the Bills are definitely contenders. Yeah, and running back would be a position that they definitely have rotated in a lot of guys over the years. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see that. Uh, Kurt is in Arkansas. Kurt, as always, thank you. And good morning from sunny Arkansas. So uh, I had a... Send some of that sun this way, please. No, Kurt. We could use it, man. Yeah going to be 75 today i'm not i'm not a uh, not too sad about that hey um, i had a heinz comment and then a quick halloween trivia question because i know the purpose is to educate and entertain yes, right thank so, you um so anyway i would not give a fifth sixth or seventh round pick for heinz i just think we're underselling him and i if you look at the you would not do it if you were the colts of, or you would not do it if you were another no, team not if i was the colts i mean how many players taken in those rounds don't make it. I mean, 50% or less. I mean, look at Ballard's history of fifth, sixth, and seventh rounders. And I would even say, you know, I, maybe I would do it for a fourth round, but I just think he's got a lot more value than that. And he's a proven player, right, With who can do all those different things. And he's been durable, which I don't think we should cut. overlook. Yeah. So um, then real quick, I spent the last 10 years of my career working for the largest chocolate maker in the u.s and uh, i was going to give you the trivia question what's the top three selling candy brands at halloween oh. Her- hershey's reese's, reese's. 
And it's the Snickers. That's really good. You got two out of three. So it's Reese's by far. It's not even close. Okay. I'm going to say it's like 25%. And then it's Kit Kat, number two. And then it is Snickers, number three. Interesting. So you would call Reese's what? The Alabama of Halloween candy? Yes. I mean, just to put it in perspective, I used to work with, uh, I lived up by um, Gillette Stadium uh, working for this candy company, working with CVS headquarters up there. And That's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, they're in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, and I lived in uh, Massachusetts, close to Gillette Stadium. And uh, I would say a CVS drugstore over the course of a year will have over 100 different Reese's items over the course of a year. I mean, wow. every season has so many different kinds of Reese's, so it's a massive seasonal brand, but especially at Halloween. Yeah, I made the mistake the other night, and I said to Rosie, if you eat all your dinner, I'll give you a Reese's egg, and I meant a Reese's pumpkin, and so now oh, no. she is obsessed with wanting a Reese's egg instead of a Reese's pumpkin. Oh, no. Well, people like those seasonal shapes better because there's uh, the peanut butter ratio is higher than chocolate versus the regular Reese's cup. That's what my so wife said. Like she said egg. she likes the holiday ones because there's there's it tastes different because there's Interesting. more peanut butter. I never realized that. Yeah, a couple of years ago, they uh, they had a mess up in the in the plant, and the shape wasn't coming out very good. People started going on social media and ripping on the Christmas trees at uh, for the Reese's trees. Yeah, the trees kind of looked and like something else. Exactly, and they uh, they put out a big social media thing, which I thought was really really brilliant. It said all trees are beautiful, and they got like all this. It kind of went viral, and they got some good sales out of it. So. Well, Kurt, if you ever want to send any chocolate, I'll give you my address offline, and we can we we, we, we can chat. Well, I used to, I used to come in there with Grady and Big Joe and bring the seasonal candy when I was in town and just drop off seasonal samples. So, uh, and then you regretted that, that once you saw what what Joe can put down. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Kurt, thank you, my man. Thanks, Kurt. That's Kurt from Arkansas right there. Uh, the I already Je- saw the Christmas trees in the store the other day. I was like, Halloween's <laughs> not even over. I saw the hey, Reese's Christmas trees. There's a reason why they are the leader in Halloween. Uh, the Jags got a six-rounder for James Robinson. Now, again, James Robinson is much more of a between-the-tackles, first- and second-down guy, whereas Hines is more of a – and it really depends, Mark. Hines is more of a third-down guy. Look what Christian McCaffrey got. You add up all that draft capital that Carolina got – for Christian McCaffrey, it's like a late first rounder. So some teams, it depends the flavor, honestly, to continue the chocolate analogy of what you want. Do you want more of the first or second down guy, or do you want more of the third down guy? I will be very surprised if they get a fourth or better for him, just given what we've seen already guys go for. Like, if they get a seventh round pick for him, are you going to be disappointed? Uh, You're no, not doing yes. that. I, I I would not do that. I, I'm a six. I I think I think the sweet spot is a fifth or a sixth. But again, it's a team that I'm like, wait, you take off his salary off the books. He's under contract through 2024. But since when do the Colts use cap space right. to to that degree? Hopefully, they're changing their philosophies. Maybe some moves at the deadline is doing another shift similar with Matt Ryan, going with Sam Ellinger that they're shifting their ways of thinking. Anthony says this, Hines is a proven NFL playmaker on a team that doesn't have enough playmakers. Give up a playmaker for the potential of the fifth rounder? I'll pass. Just give him the damn ball. Uh, that's easier said than done, apparently. I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, Anthony. Caller called in and uh, pointed out that uh, we can trade for more than just draft picks. Uh, and They didn't want to go on air, but do you guys have any thoughts on players that we might be able to receive for Hines? Well, again, I, I'll bring up 
the linebacker position from a little bit earlier. Can you find an equivalent to what you have at linebacker at maybe tight end or Certainly defensive line always seems to be a position that the Colts could use a little bit more. I mean, hell, what about offensive line? You feel like some team has got a decent backup offensive lineman that could at least add depth to your roster. I would look into that. So, you know, I'd be lying to you if I knew the EJ speeds of tight ends or offensive linemen around the league, but that would be something that would pique my interest. Yeah, player-wise, I mean, I can't since we don't even know the teams that are interested in Hines, I can't even venture a guess as to who might be available and – what the compensation would be player wise for a guy like Hines to do a player for player trade. But I mean, I think if you're the Colts, you've got to be looking at draft compensation. Don't you like, you want to have somebody you can put your own I would stamp prefer on that. I, I would, you'd prefer rather have that than a guy that some other, some other team is evaluated and is willing to ship. And you know, I've been pretty harping on the 2023 draft capital. And I know a lot of people have pushed back and said, you know, it's a 50% hit rate. Sure. But if you're able to package those picks together, other teams don't view it like that. Other teams hold those draft picks. They treat them kind of like gold. So if you're able to put those together and you know move up in the draft or wheel and deal, we've seen Ballard do a whole lot of that around the draft, that would be something that would be very advantageous. Yep. How many darts you. do you want? You want to have a couple darts or you want to have as many as you can? Throw at the wall when the draft comes around. Again, 4 o'clock is the trade deadline. Joel Erickson from the Star, um, who has – I believe an article up on the Indy Star website about this. He's going to join us in about 10 minutes. Uh, looking ahead to the 9 o'clock hour, Dane Brugler from The Athletic at 9.30. He is the NFL draft guru. His draft guide called The Beast is an absolute must-read every year. So in-depth. An early look at the quarterback class coming up in April. Big weekend for college football. Big one. And we got matching tonight. Ball State. Love it. And Kent State on a Tuesday. I know Jeff's been hanging around for a while. Let's get Jeff on air. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, good morning, guys. Hope you're doing well. Uh, just had a quick question about uh, Hines. Hate to lose him if we do, but uh, do you guys think that this is a position with his ability to run and catch balls that needs to be replaced in the future with the prevalence of RPO offenses? Uh, just wondering what your thoughts were. If, if we may look like on day two or day three of GMs in the NFL tend to look at this position as a prevalent position in the NFL now. Jeff, I, I think the interesting point, and thank you for the call on that, is I think this is a position that we'll start to see more and more of out of the college game. I don't know if Jeff was specifically asking that, but Mark, I think you're starting to see more and more college teams that have these Whiteout turned running backs, running back turned wideouts, you know, the spread system, you know, throwing the ball all over the field. I think you'll see more of that. So everybody wants their own Debo Samuel. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that would be a dream. But, you know, even a lesser extent, an Austin Eckler, yep. you know, those types of guys out of the backfield. Um, so while I do think, again, running back is a replaceable position. I don't think Hines necessarily qualifies as a running back, but I do think the college game is going to put more pool of these types of guys available. Having said that, you can't ignore that Hines has walked into the NFL and after a really rough preseason where he struggled, you know, really with handling the football, um, he's been a pretty consistent piece for you. He's been durable and he's been versatile. And that's not a guarantee with, you know, any draft pick. Um, but especially at that position where injuries are so prevalent. So 
I don't know. I've kind of been pulled in. You're torn a little bit. I two different directions of like I can acknowledge that again the pool of these guys coming out in, the, in future drafts is probably going to grow, but I also don't want to diminish what Hines has done for you and proven himself, and it's not too big for him. I just frankly think he's underutilized. And you also have to think about how much confidence do you have that Chris Ballard can identify a guy similar to Hines's skill set in the draft and then be able to draft him and then implement him in the offense. There's a lot how of How much layers. confidence do you have there? Yeah. So There's a lot of layers. You get pulled in a lot of different directions. Again, NFL trade deadline today at four. Should be pretty interesting to see what Again, I find it interesting, Mark, that the only name Adam Schefter mentions yeah. on Twitter yesterday is Hines. Yeah. I don't know if that says this if that's the state of the Colts roster or if that's just an I, I kind of Is got that the in. most popular name right now? Maybe. And Schefter Like you said, a, a top fifteen contract that you're not really utilizing. Get some money off the books. Going towards 2023, but and if you look what are at you that getting Colts compensation roster, wise? You know, if you look at those contracts in the top 15, and you were to say who could be replaced with an early day three pick, it would probably be Hines. Yeah, and I know that that sounds like I'm taking a shot at the guy, but I think that's just the reality of how that position uh, operates. I feel like the that's NFL. the way the running back position is moving. Is that a lot more running backs can be taken in day two, day three? You're not seeing a lot of first round running backs anymore. Uh, time for a morning checkdown. Pacers try to make it two in a row against the Nets. Unfortunately, they come up short. Brooklyn Nets top the Pacers 116 to 109. The Nets snap their four-game losing streak, get a win, which they desperately needed. Kevin Durant, 36 points. Kyrie Irving, 28. A nice night for Chris Duarte, 30 points right there. Buddy Heald continues to impress, 22 points. Not a great night for uh, Miles Turner. We'll get into that a little bit later. He had some comments to Adrian Wojnarowski about possible trade market value. So I think that's a compliment, calling Miles Turner's night not a great night. For yeah, him. I was trying to be kind. I don't want to be a jerk too, this early in the morning. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm just sometimes got to call like you see it. Two of eight, zero oh for three. Not great from three. Not great. Four turnovers. Got benched. Boy, he looked pissed there late. Do you see him zoom in? They oh, yeah. zoomed in on him on the bench. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people were pissed about his play, so he should be one of them. But yeah, Pacers now have a little bit of a break. Don't get back on the court until Friday night when they host the Miami Heat. Great night and much needed for Chris Duarte. Career high, thirty points for him. Hit a huge three to end the third quarter. Um, again, I still think he can be kind of a six man in this rebuild process, but he needed that confidence galore for him uh, in that moment. Benedict Mather and struggled in the first half. Uh, 16, though, I think he had 11 in the third quarter, 16 points in 22 minutes for him. Tyrese Halliburton, a little sloppy with it late. Pacers had a chance, came back from 24, as Mark said. Um, Halliburton struggled in that final minute, so uh, three days off, kind of unusual here midweek. Uh, week eight of the NFL wrapped up last night. Another kind of dud on Monday night. I don't know if we've, we've had more duds on Monday night or Thursday night, but I feel like we've had a lot more duds than good ones. Uh, Browns routed the Bengals 32-13. to Jacoby Brissett was uh, in my mentions yesterday because, wow, we should go back to Jacoby Brissett. He did have a solid night. I don't know what was going on with the Bengals last night. They were without Jamar Chase, but not a good showing for them. Uh, so week eight in the books now. We'll turn the page to week nine where we get Eagles and Texans on Thursday night football. That looks like it's going to be another, another dud. It's kind of an interesting Thursday nighter. Like random. Yeah, it is a, is a very random matchup that they decided to showcase. Obviously, what's, what's it looks like... What's the spread on that? Two touchdowns? It's got to be double digits for sure. I don't know how high, but yeah, I, I mean, the Eagles have to be like 10.5 point favorites at least, I would say. Again, after Thursday, the Eagles got the Commanders on Monday, and then they come to Lucas Oil Stadium on November 20th. 
Uh, Eagles currently 13-point favorites. All right, World Series Game 3 is tonight. Mother Nature uh, postponing uh, last night's Game 3. So push everything back a day. Game 3 tonight, Game 4 Wednesday, Game 5 Thursday, off day Friday, Saturday and Sunday, Game 6 and Game 7, obviously, if necessary. We know it'll go at least 5. Sounds like a bullpen night for the Phillies, Lance McCullers for the Astros. And Mark, the Colts news from yesterday, very unfortunate. Tyquan Lewis done for the year. Ruptured patella tendon in his left knee. It's the exact same injury in the different knee from what he suffered last year on Halloween. I think this is a big loss. He's been an important piece for the defensive line with Quiddy Pay's absence. Tyquan's been needed. Um, helps you out on pass downs. I think he's one of your better pass rushers, which you know, might be a reflection of how your pass rush has been, uh, particularly off the edge. But I think Lewis helps you out. Uh, we'll see about Quiddy Pay for this week. Sounds like there is a chance he could return. He's missed the last three due to that ankle injury. Uh, kind of in the reverse Ohio State news, Paris Campbell, who we talked about just a few minutes ago, uh, I thought arguably the best game of his NFL career on Sunday considering the playmaking that he had. Here was Paris uh, yesterday on a healthy start to the 2022 campaign. I'm grateful. I'm blessed um, to be healthy. I've been through a lot. Um, I've overcome a lot. Um, and just this this season, um, individually, I've just kind of felt my confidence grow um, over the course of the season. Obviously, you know, as a team, we haven't been getting the results that we've wanted. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not naive to the fact that um, I feel like I've been playing well. Um, and, you know, I feel like I've been making some plays when plays need to be made. And, you know, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Thankful um, for God to bless me with my health. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not naive to that. Yeah, contract year for Campbell. Again, more of the possession type with Matt Ryan in recent weeks. But I thought on Sunday, again, individual playmaking, making play with the ball, making plays with the ball in his hands was on full display. All right, Joel Erickson with the latest on Naheem Hines next. Have a busy Halloween night for our next guest. Got three young ones. And congrats on the newborn, just a couple weeks old in the Erickson household. And I believe once Halloween was done, some Naheem Hines attention late night for Joel A. Erickson from the Indianapolis Star. Joel, I was initially a little surprised to see the name Naheem Hines um, pop up as one that has not only interest from around the league, but it sounds like some internal interest with the Colts to move him. Uh, just your overall thoughts on Hines possibly being moved today. Um, so this is kind of a hard situation to handicap because I I would say that it's, it's significant the way it's been reported by both Sefter and me that teams are reaching out to the Colts. I, I don't think this is a situation where the Colts were shopping him. Um. And as far as handicapping the chances, there's, I, I, I think the Colts want – I think for the Colts to make that move, they'd have to get a return that they felt would be that felt is significant. And trying to figure out if that's going to happen or not is kind of tough because if you look around the league, there's a lot of teams or a lot of, a lot of beats where people are asking running backs about their possibility of getting traded. And so it's kind of hard to figure out the market. Um. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a hard situation to, to handicap right now. How would you define significant? 
third round, fourth round, fifth round? Uh, the sense the sense I got was the Colts aren't going to just give him away, which in terms of what that means, I think it's it's harder to know because the trade deadline seems to elevate values for players, but you also I also feel like there's players who get traded for draft pick compensation every year that you're like, oh, wow, Clayus Campbell for a fifth-round pick. Like, that doesn't seem like that much, you know? Um, now, maybe maybe because you get maybe because you get Hines with two more years with, with essentially two more years of, of contract that could raise it up. Um, but it's, it's hard to know. I mean, McCaffrey went for a second, third, fourth, and fifth. And uh, but McCaffrey's a starting running back, you know, and, a, and an every down guy who can do everything. I, I don't know if that's a really good comp for what might be possible for, for Hines. Yeah, I guess I, I, I hope I was clear on that. I messed just kind of individual rounds like, you know, is a third rounder what the Colts are holding out for? That seems very lofty. Is a fifth rounder more realistic? Do they Would they do it for a fifth rounder? Would, would they retain him if that's the most that they got? I guess those yeah. are kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the part I don't know and kind of why I, I said like significant to the Colts because like I, for me, I think if it's a third rounder that that's a really good return. Um can they get that? I I don't know. Uh and then it, with a fifth rounder, you know, it's a guy you've got signed for for a couple more years at a fairly reasonable price with the cap going up. You know, that doesn't feel like it's a very significant return to me, but uh, you know, it's it's hard to know exactly what they. I don't know exactly what the Colts want in terms of the number. So, from everything you've read, everything you've heard, uh, if you had to venture a guess, will Naeem Hines be on the Colts roster after today? It's, I have no idea. <laughs> it could it could happen, but like I said, I think the Colts have to feel like they got blown away by the offer. So, is there a better chance the Colts make a move in your opinion today, or they stand pat? Whether that's Naheem Hines is, or someone else, the hard part. The hard part is like I, I was focused on the Hines situation, and I don't know that I, I don't know that I have a good handle on exactly the way the Colts view um, the whole roster. I didn't. I didn't get the sense that this was like a sign of an open shingle, you know, in terms of come get whoever you want. But I, I think teams are probably calling. Ballard has kind of said before that teams always call and they always receive calls. Um, and I think obviously teams would be like, well, Colts are three, four, and one. Uh, maybe we can. They're starting a, a, a first-time quarterback. Maybe maybe there's something there. So I could see calls happening. And then, but but the the less of the deadline from the last however many years, even with the tweet Schefter put up about how it's increased over the last couple of years, is that there's usually a lot more talk about what might happen than what actually does. Jolie Erickson from the Stars with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, I don't know. This is probably me getting a little bit too deep into the weeds from a reporting standpoint. What did you make of like the fact that Schefter, the only name Adam Schefter mentions yesterday on Twitter, is Naheem Hines? I mean, there, there's no other name he mentioned as rumored, you know, on the block, etc. Well, it, I, like I said, I. I, there's some stuff I think I can't necessarily say here, KB, but uh, I, I would say focus on teams are reaching out about Hines, and that's that's kind of the 
the indicator is the best way I can put it. It's kind of a hard thing to talk about. Okay, Joel, so let's uh, switch to what we saw on the field. What were your overall thoughts on Sam Ellinger's uh, first game on Sunday? I thought, so just from a baseline thing, we it, we didn't know for certain that Sam Ellinger belonged. You know, he was a six-round pick. We hadn't seen him start. Um, you know, we'd seen him in the preseason, but there's been a lot of guys who, you know, played well in the preseason and that didn't necessarily turn out. Sam Ellinger belongs. I think that's my biggest takeaway is the poise I thought was important. Um, the accuracy was important. Um, this, this is a guy who can play in the NFL. And uh, that sounds like I'm downplaying it, but that's not, I, I'm not downplaying at all. Like quarterbacks like Heineke and Ellinger proving that they deserve a spot in the league is, is much harder than I think people realize. Joel, are you of the impression now that, you know, Matt Ryan and or Nick Foles will just be a healthy scratch for the rest of the season? As you know, one of them's got to be the third QB. Yeah, it feels like that. Um, it feels like that right now. That's the one thing that we haven't gotten like a, a straight answer on which one it would be, um, you know, going going forward. Because we, we've asked about Matt Ryan. KB, you know this. Uh, you maybe have asked it yourself. We've asked a couple of times about, you know, where does Matt Ryan fit on the pecking order? And, you know, Wright kind of keeps just saying, well, we'll delay that until he's healthy, which I, on the one hand, I understand how they can say that, but you also generally have a plan for what you're going to do. But it feels like they're going to be have one guy inactive the rest of the year. Um, unless, I guess, unless there's a deal for Ryan, unless somebody wants to, to go in on Ryan. I don't know right. which team that would be. Yeah, I was kind of curious if that would develop over the course of the day. Getting Joel A. Erickson from the Stars with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Joel, offensive line issues, uh, do you point more towards the planet left tackle and right guard entering this season or more to your highest paid guys aren't delivering enough? I think, I think like a lot of things, it ends up being just sort of a collective weight of all that stuff piling up on it, you know? Um, if if Ryan Kelly and Braden Smith and Quentin Nelson are playing the way you expect them to, then I think it's easier to help left tackle and right guard. At the same time, I don't think it's as easy to be those guys like the way their their reputation is if you have issues at left tackle and right guard. So I think it's it's sort of like a, um, just a, a, a snowball where you have – this thing's happening and this thing's happening and it's making everything worse and it kind of goes down all at, all at once and it's hard to know what's more responsible. I think the left tackle thing uh, is kind of the genesis, though, because it felt like when Costanza retired that that spot, since, that, since Costanza reti- retired, that spot has been not strong enough for them to really count on it. He's the Indianapolis Stars, Joel A. Erickson, joining Kevin and Query on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Joel, Paris Campbell has been stepping up as of late. Uh, what have you seen out of Campbell, and how do you think he be he's going to be used going forward, especially if they move Hines at the deadline? Uh, if they move Hines, I think it opens up some other stuff to do with him. I, I, we haven't really seen him out of the backfield because they have Hines, but you, you could obviously do that. Uh, Paris Campbell, like this, this is the player that, the Colts thought they were getting. Um, we, we've gotten to see it over the last three or four games where he can be deadly and, and be a volume contributor in, in the short passing game. 
And then some of the, the creative stuff that they did, the end around, you know, he takes that smoke screen and, and goes for big yardage. The, even the even the deep ball, you saw his speed on it. Uh, for a variety of reasons, we've never gotten to see, like, all of it come together for him. And right now it kind of is. The only other time I felt like we saw him at full power was the very first game of the season with Phillip Rivers, and he had six catches against Jacksonville right before the Harrison Smith hit. And it's it's interesting because he's a, he's a very valuable piece just in terms of all of the different roles he can play within the offense. And we're kind of seeing them explore that as this, as this season progresses. Again, Joel A. Erickson is with us here, uh, the Cover 2 podcast himself. And Nate Atkins, you can find that on all podcast platforms. Joel, I, w- I guess I'm going back a little bit to the trade deadline topic of the day, but more so at linebacker. I'm very curious, like, what the future is there in Indy. I think Bobby Okereke is at a nice season. He's in a contract year. I think EJ Speed's had a really good year. Uh, he's in a contract year. Zaire Franklin's under contract for several years. So is Shaquille Leonard. You know, Today's NFL, you really only need two or three. It's a position Chris Bauer has drafted extremely well at across all days of the draft. That one, I'm thinking to myself, man, could that be a position that's moved? Again, this is no educated guess behind it. It's purely more of me looking at the roster thinking four guys for like two-ish spots and two of them are in contract years. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I, I agree with you the way you look at it. I, I really want to know – we, we kind of have to wait until Tuesday for some of the defensive playing time questions because that's when Gus Bradley talks. And, like, you know, Frank Reich will answer that, but I think you get more of the thinking from the defensive coordinator. Reich generally leaves the playing time and stuff like that up to the coordinator and, and the position coaches. But it's interesting to me that when Leonard was coming on the field on Sunday, Okereke was the one coming off. Um, and EJ Speed played like eight snaps or something. Yeah, how does that? How does all that work? If you know, like the the goal here is for Leonard to get to to full strength, so he's on the field all the time. You know, how how does that work? What does that mean for Bobby Okereke? That's the question I want to ask Gus Bradley because Okereke's played a ton of snaps for this team and, and played pretty well in coverage. Um, but you know, who who comes off the field if EJ Speed's played really well at that same linebacker position, had the fourth down stop. Uh, on Sunday, you know that there is. It does feel like there's a surplus there, and I I want some. I want to know more of what the team is thinking on that that linebacker mis, like mismatch that match they've got there. Joel, last one from me. Uh, Tyquan Lewis, unfortunately, another season-ending injury. Thoughts on Tyquan Lewis and who steps in in his absence? I feel really bad for Tyquan. Um, you know. A patellar tendon injury, I was, I was talking about this with somebody yesterday. I don't know if I've covered the NFL for like eight or nine years now. I don't know if I've had another patellar tendon injury to cover, and now Taekwon's had two. He was playing better than his, you know, the traditional counting stats would say. He had, he had one sack and four quarterback hits, but the Sports Info Solutions, the stat site I use, had him at, I think, 13 or 14 pressures, which is – Right now, third on the team because of Quiddy Pay being out for a little while. Um, and obviously, he forced the interception. Lewis was playing pretty well at that spot. And if Pay's back, that's the obvious answer. If Pay's back to full strength, then Quiddy Pay is the answer to what you do with Taekwon Lewis. If not, it's so 
some combination of Ifadi Odengbo and Dio Odengbo. And right now it feels like Ifadi's the one playing better uh, on a week-to-week basis. Great pronunciation there. I would have just called him the dude that does the sword dance after he gets a sack. <laughs> the sword dance is amazing. I wasn't amazing. exactly sure what he was doing the first time, but it's a that's a top 10 sack dance. Captain Morgan should sponsor him. <laughs> I love that. That's a great idea. It is, it is so great. And that was a hell of a sack that he had. On Sunday. All right, Joel, keep us posted on today. Um, I know it's probably a late night for you, Halloween wise. So thank you for that and I uh, appreciate the time. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Thanks jo- for having me on. Joel A. Erickson right there on the Payless Lickers hotline. Mark, I was went back and watched the game yesterday and I could not believe it when Brendan Gauden, uh, the play by play guy for Fox, said this stat. Um, we talked about fumbles, 21 on the year for the Colts. Um, that the Colts quarterbacks have lost six fumbles in eight games this season, with Ellinger losing one, of course, uh-huh. on Sunday. And Peyton Manning's, what, 13 years here? Yeah. He lost eight. Jeez. Far cry from where uh, where we used to be with this franchise. Eight lost fumbles in 13 years. Six lost fumbles in eight games. Unbelievable. Sure, there's an element of fumble luck in there, but st- I mean, I mean, if they'd stop putting Crisco on the balls, we would solve some of that issue. I feel like it's, it's something, right? Yeah. Uh, again, thanks to Joel for that. Dame Brugler talk a little NFL draft coming up around nine thirty. Still want to play that Miles Turner audio. Um, he went on Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast. Uh, that's quite the podcast to go on. Had some very candid comments about the Lakers potentially trading for him. And then I would say did not really back it up last night. So we'll do that here uh, on a overcast Tuesday in Indy. Kevin Aquari, Mark Dykton filling in for Jake. NFL draft guru Dane Brugler going to join us coming up at 930. Again, big week in the college football. You got Tennessee at Georgia Brian Kelly's LSU Tigers, they got a chance against Bama? Only if his family's there. And here locally, um, Tom Allen was pretty coy. Sounds like a potential quarterback change in Bloomington. Um, So we'll see if that happens with Connor Bazelik, who really has been behind an awful offensive line, but I think it is time to see somebody new. Uh, They've got Penn State this weekend. And then for Purdue, they host Iowa. That one is simply... If you want next week to be the biggest game your program has had in, hell, at least a decade, you take care of business at home against Iowa, which the team Purdue's had a lot of success with. Next week would be Illinois, and the winner of that would be in the driver's seat to go to the Big Ten championship game. Uh, Illinois saw as Michigan, but Purdue needs that. So this is kind of the game to set up the game for Purdue this weekend. So you better not blow it. Yeah. That's pretty much it. I think they're favored by about seven. Has it climbed to seven? I thought I saw that. Maybe okay, I thought it was like I, I. Last I saw was like four and a half. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Um, whatever happened to that over under on Iowa and Northwestern? Uh, that, Didn't Iowa score a bunch? Yeah, that was uncharacteristic. Yeah, thirty three uh, to thirteen. The over. Yeah, Hammer. Iowa almost hit the over themselves. So yeah, I think it was like what thirty seven and a half. I think. Oh, I was, was dead 39? wrong. 
You are right, Mark. Yeah, Purdue four and a half over Iowa. That's a noon kick. Indiana is a two touchdown underdog to Penn State at home. Okay, it's a little tighter. Well, I mean, come on, Purdue. It's blank or get off the pot time now. Yeah, big one. Come back from the bye. Purdue and Indiana both. Charlie Jones and uh, uh, the Tyrone Tracy facing their former team this weekend at Ross Aid. I'm going to play that Miles Turner clip coming up here. I, I I really don't have too much of an issue with Turner's comments. My issue comes from, if you're going to do that, don't lay an egg. Back it up. And I think that's too often with Turner, that's the issue for me. He speaks. I'm fond of speaking. You want people to be honest, be candid. But I just don't agree with what he says. I think he thinks he's a lot better than he is. Oh, oh yeah, I, I, I need sure. a bigger role. I need these touches. I need to be the solo five. No, you don't. You see what happens when you try and get a bigger role? 12 and 6, defend the rim, stretch the floor a little bit. It's a fine player in the NBA. That's what he is. Nothing more. I mean, it's the it's the Turner roller coaster. I keep calling it, but like five points, then 27 points, then seven points. 15 points, then three points. Like, it's just up and down. It's constant. Like, there's no cons- – the only consistency is the inconsistency. Right. Exactly. That's well put. Last night, they get a switch. He's got Joe Harris on him. I mean, you got Joe Harris by, what, four or five inches? And nothing. Air ball's a free throw. Minus 21 and the plus minus. I mean – Yeah, and I get plus minus at times. can get skewy, but I thought last that's, night – It's pretty – Cut and dry, I yeah. would say. And he was by far, right? No one else was even by close far, to it. Not even close. Yeah, he got benched for a good reason there late, and he looked pissed. I didn't love to see Isaiah Jackson. I didn't like it at all to see Isaiah Jackson leave with left knee soreness. Jackson battled some injuries last year. He came back briefly, did not finish the game. So we'll wait and update again. The Pacers do have three days off. Probably well welcome to this point. Uton Wantanabe on the Nets was minus 16 off the bench. See, that was close. He's that lefty. Yeah. Shot for you to. Yeah, not good. I mean, for a guy that's always pumping himself up, you expect a little more backup. The Pacers had had some nice moments last night, or at least they played better with James Johnson on the floor. But again, this is a dilemma, Mark, of like, why are those minutes going to James Johnson and not O'Shea Brissett? Or some of the younger guys. Like, Nemhard played what? He was really limited last night on the floor. Played only seven minutes, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like the Pacers do not, based off the first eight games, I don't see the Pacers super committed to being like, we are only playing the youth. Yeah. You got some tanking teams that only do that. You know, we will play the youth. James Johnson, you're on the team just to be a veteran voice in the locker room and control people in the huddle. Last night, the dude was getting major minutes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he played 18. So he was, and again he he's right up there with Matherin off the bench. For he was big played. when the Pacers made their comeback, but it is interesting to see the first eight games of the season. They have not really. Maybe that's another guy. Come deadline time, you're looking at maybe you're trying to pump up some tape on him, and then Ooh, get I some think. other teams interested. I don't know what that would even you know get you in return, but yeah, I think for a veteran guy to... that's on a, a very young team, I could see the guy that you know he doesn't really have a role on the team going forward. So maybe you'll just. See what you can get, but 
Yeah, Ooh, Turner's better Turner's chance the, you trade the pacemates for something. I still don't Johnson. know who's got the better trade value, Miles Turner or Buddy Heald. It looks like Buddy Heald right now. If that's interesting, though. I, I think that's something we can talk about a little bit more here coming up uh, because you know teams are desperate for shooting at the deadline. And if Buddy continues to shoot it like this, and the thing that makes Buddy, I think, really attractive, durable. He is available. Night in, night out, that dude suits up. It's why he ranks so high on these three-point list. He's obviously a good shooter, but he plays every night. And that, obviously, in the NBA is no guarantee. We'll play that Miles Turner audio next. Kevin Aquari, 9 o'clock hour. Pretty newsy Tuesday as we start the month of November. Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton, and Sam Fritz. Really looking forward to Dane Brugler coming up at the bottom of the hour. NFL draft analyst for The Athletic. We'll get an early preview at the 2023 class. In particular, some of the quarterbacks to watch as we reach the final month of college football's regular season. I'm going to play that Miles Turner clip coming up in just a second. A couple news items, Mark. One, heard that um, the Colts uh, wouldn't be opposed to moving Ryan Kelly. Again, I think some teams will look at the contract and look at his play and say, well, you're calling us for a reason. Uh, So we'll see how that plays out, but he is a name that I am – Going to watch again. We'll see how the interest is around the league. Not hold my breath there. The compensation for these Colts players will be very interesting. And, and him especially. Yeah. I mean, that's a big contract, non-premium position, um, getting up there in age. But I think the Colts would be wise to try and move him. Um, and then some Indy 500 news. We can get Jake's thoughts on this when he returns. But this from Nathan Brown in the Indy Star. Tony Kanan. Uh, what, the 2013 champ finished third last season. He will be car, the fourth car for Errol McLaren at the 500. So that's Pato Award, Felix Rosenquist. Of course, Pato and Felix up there all throughout this year's 500. And then Alexander Rossi slides over to Arrow this year. So four cars for McLaren. Uh, again, that's a team that had a really nice 500, so it makes sense. Tony Kanaan, Chip Ganassi last year, and now uh, will be with the McLaren team at this year's 500. Kanaan, a huge fan favorite. Always happy to see him. Huge. So hopefully we'll get him on the show again. He's always a fun interview, fun guy to talk to. 22nd appearance in the 500, and uh, he writes here, again, Nathan Brown from the Star with this, that 2023 would probably be the last. Granted, I think he said that a few times. He said that a few times. <laughs> That's a rinse and repeat. That is a rinse and repeat. All right. Um, I rolled over yesterday morning to wake up, opened up my podcast feed, and saw new podcast from Adrian Wojnarowski with Miles Turner. I'm like, wow. You know, Woj has a lot of NBA players on his podcast, but usually like All Star follows with the name description of player. Uh, Miles Turner would not fall in that category. Obviously, Turner had a great night Friday in D.C., but uh, did not play well last night. I think it was recorded either Saturday or Sunday. Turner rested Saturday, the second night of the back-to-back. And Woj did not waste any time getting right into it about the Lakers' interest in Miles Turner. And here is Miles Turner's answer to the trade interest, very public, from the Lakers with Miles Turner. You've been hearing it for months. So I'll ask you, if you're the Lakers, would you do the two picks? Would you do the two picks? <laughs> oh, that's, that's such an intriguing question <laughs> at that. Um, I think personally, 
you know, when you look at this business of the league and, you know, knowing the landscape of the league, you know, you have to go off your future, right? And think, we, we all know picks are so valuable in this league. And someone like myself, I'm heading into the last year of my, you know, my deal. And you want to make sure, you know, you're getting a return, you know, for your assets, right? So, you know, if I'm the Lakers, I take a very hard look at this with the position that you're in. I know what I can provide for a team, you know, my, my leadership, my shot blocking, you know, my three-point ability, and just my ability to make plays out there on the floor. And I take a very long look at it. But as far as pulling the trigger, you know, that's uh, – I get paid to shoot. Now, you know, I'm not made to, made to make these calls, so I, I couldn't answer that. <laughs> Mark, I want to start here. I have zero issue whatsoever with Miles Turner's response there. Yeah. Um, I appreciate his honesty. I appreciate his candor. He's kind of selling himself to the public. I'm sure there's a lot of people that listen to that that have really never heard from Miles Turner or, or don't know a whole lot about. It's not like the Pacers are on national TV very <laughs> often, so they probably got yeah. a very small glimpse of what Miles Turner actually can do. Granted, Turner did play great on Friday night yeah. in the ESPN game. Um, but I think a lot of people were like turned off by the comments. Why would he answer that? I, I got no issue with that. Um, the Pacers literally had DeAndre Ayton for three hours. They told Miles Turner, "No, we don't. We're going to upgrade over you." I have no issue with Turner wanting to say that. Clearly, his agent and him involved in a public forum and wanting to go on the podcast and answering the question. I appreciate that. Um, and it's rare, you know, you don't usually hear, I think a player that candid about that. My disagreement with Turner or my issue would just be that, and I guess he doesn't really say it in that answer, but he certainly said it at other points in his career. He thinks he's more than what he actually is as an NBA player. And he can be a very fine player in how he describes that. Three-point shooting and rim protection. If you can do that at the level that Turner has done that, you can be an important piece to, I think, a playoff type of team. But the fact that he thinks that as a solo five with more touches, he'll do this and he'll do that and he'll showcase that, he'll showcase that, that's just not true. It's not true on a consistent level. And far too often when those opportunities have arisen, we've seen Turner have nights like he had last night which was an awful night for him. And I think a lot of that, Mark, is mental. He knows, and hell, he tweeted about it yesterday before the game started. He knows what he did in going on that podcast. When you do that, you set a bullseye. And you've got to back that up. And far too often with him, he has not backed up his public comments. Seven points yesterday, two for eight from the field, 0 for 3 from beyond the arc, 3 from 6 from the three point, uh, free throw line uh, on the season. From three-point, he highlighted his three-point shooting, three for 11. Uh, not great there. And, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where you are drawing a big bullseye on your long torso and saying, you know, come at me. Which is fine, but back it up. Back it up. And, again, I've been on this thing for a while. The Miles Turner roller coaster where it's consistently inconsistent. You'll get a, a great showing from him like you did on Friday night and then followed up with, like, a pair of duds. A minus 21 in the plus minus. I just a, a disappointing. There's no rhyme or reason to his game at times. Um, I mean, and he's been on the trade block for five years. So I get it. He's probably frustrated with the situation. I think he's ready for a change. I think the Pacers are long overdue for a yes. fresh change. Mm-hmm. 
if it doesn't happen this year, I mean, he might just they might as well just hang the banner well, it, because it, I don't think he's ever going to retire it from ha- Pacers otherwise. <laughs> it has to happen by February. You know, well, he said that last year and then he got injured. Right, so, but yeah, this is a contract you're, year. You're like, hoping you, for health and everything like that, but yeah, you've got to get something at this point for him. You, you have to have to move him by February. That is an absolute must. Um, so again, no issue for me with the Turner comments itself. Um, you appreciate his honesty. And I would probably be pissed off, too, if I continue to hear my name come up in these trade discussions. The Aiton thing happened. Um, but you've got to back it up. And I just don't think he sniffs the type of player that he believes he is. I mean, we're now no. what? Is this year eight for him? I believe so. I mean, at this point, you are who you are. And we've seen that in his yeah, NBA career. Year, yep. is, it, is it year eight? Year eight, yep. Now, having said that, Mark, I do think the question for the Pacers internally, of who is your future at that center spot, is very much up in the air. Can Isaiah Jackson be an every-night center in the NBA? I like him. I think he's shown some stuff. He's still really young, but he's had some injuries, and foul trouble has been a question. Um, Obviously, Goga, it's certainly not trending in the way that it looks like he would be an every-night center, starting center in this league. So I think that's a big question you would have moving forward. My other question, too, is like, have you waited too long for Miles Turner where now you're getting diminishing returns for whatever the offer is? Like the obviously the main focus of that soundbite we played was the Lakers. We all know the Lakers are interested in him. That's all we've heard I feel like since the season ended last year. But we also know that the, the Lakers have very limited moves available. To twenty seven and twenty nine, right? Twenty twenty seven, twenty twenty nine first round pick. That's way down the road. Yeah. So you're kicking the can way down the road. Like Benedict Matherin will be, you know, an aged veteran mm-hmm. at that right. point. There'll be two statues out front for Benedict and his family at that point. You're building one for the family, too? You're very generous with the statues. You might be a little too... Did you see the Haitian meal that the Pacers That's true. had for him? I think that was a great gift. I'm saying, you're handing out statues Mom and left sister and right. out there? You're handing out statues all over the place. Um, yeah, so that... I mean, that's way down the line. So, that, that, I mean, that I can't even, like, fathom... I can't... I don't even know what I'm having for lunch tomorrow. I can't think about the 2027, 2027, 9, 2029 picks... But now you, like I said, you've got to check on diminishing returns for him. And now is Buddy Heald going to get you more in return? Yeah. He's definitely going to get you more. He's going to get you more in the here and now. You're going to get more up front for him, and you'll definitely have more suitors. I feel like because I feel like all I've heard is the Lakers are interested in Miles Turner. I don't think I've heard that for any other team. And the Lakers stink. Like, yes, they need some defense, but I mean, you're telling me the no other team in the NBA wants. A piece of Miles Turner. The Lakers are the only ones. It's the only name I've heard associated with him since, like, I feel like the rumors started. And, you know, Mark, we are, what, four months away, three months away from the trade deadline? I mean, we still are a long, long ways away from getting there. Obviously, the NFL trade deadline is today, but the NBA trade deadline is, like, 50 games into the season. It's, like, almost mid-February. So, you're going to have teams that will be in positions that will want to buy. Um, I, I am with you, Mark. I think... I would not have said this a month or two, two ago, but I could definitely see Buddy Heald garnering more interest than Turner. The things that would be enticing about Heald, obviously his shooting ability, again, his durability. He's also, and maybe this is not enticing to some teams, but it could be, he's under contract past the season. Turner's expiring. So if you're trading for Turner, you'd probably like to re-sign him um, if you're going to make that sort of investment in him. So I think that's another element. I mean, to th- this. some teams do like the expiring deals, but that's usually on t- the teams are trying to free up cap space going forward and whatnot. If you're trading Miles Turner, usually, I mean, 
boy, if you're getting Miles Turner just for an expiring deal at that point, that says a lot about what the league thinks yeah, about Miles Turner. Uh, well, it's also a 20-game desperate sprint by that team. Yeah, I think if you're the Pacers, you you I know I'm, I'm preaching patience here for the Pacers and Miles Turner, which sounds like a risky game to play given his health his health history, but uh, I think you hold out that maybe some teams will become more contenders than they thought originally, and there'll be some more suitors other than the Lakers, and you won't have to be thinking about 2027-2029 uh, draft picks because that's just that's outrageous to me if you have to think that far in advance for giving up a guy like Miles Turner. Aaron, you got some thoughts on Miles Turner's comments there? Yes, good morning, fellas. What's up, like Aaron? I tell you, screen caller, no thing in this morning for me. But, <laughs> hey, you know, I hear you guys talking about Miles, and you might be right, but you might be wrong as well. When was the last time there was not a layup line against the Lakers? Anthony Davis isn't going to block no shots. He's scared to bang down underneath. Miles may be too, but he's going to block you three or four important shots. And, yes, he might get you three or four uh, three-pointers off, but maybe that's all the Lakers need. I'm just – all I'm saying is that I'm tired of these international reporters being troublemakers like the third guy at a high school. Oh, did you hear what somebody said? Did you hear what you got? That irks me to no end when it comes to those guys. And my last point is that these guys, we we tend to make the mistake here in Indiana, especially since we haven't been to a finals since 22 years ago. We We still celebrate Reggie Miller here in Indiana. So I don't think we have a right. I mean, we have a right, but I don't think it don't hold water with us saying who's good enough to be here. I mean, draft picks. What good is a draft pick if you're going to draft the wrong person? You know, these these guys, we do not live in their, in their world financially or athletically. I don't know about you, but I do not recall any of these people calling me and saying get rid of mouths. When was the last time they worked out? But oh do you want Miles Turner getting re-signed? That's your other option. You either trade him or you're re-signing him. I don't think I'll work out for the next year after all that Halloween candy I had last night, Aaron. Um, yeah, the, there's a lot there. Like, Turner would be a loss for the Pacers, but I guess more than anything, Mark, he's shown no desire to want to be here long-term, and the Pacers have clearly looked at it and thought, we need to explore other options, and I'm sure some of it, comes down to a little bit of a mutual interest, or I should say a lack of mutual interest from Miles in that he's never been a free agent, and he's got plenty of ties to the Texas. There's a couple of NBA teams in Texas. Um, the Rockets clearly, and Spurs are stalwarts right now. <laughs> well, I think Dallas has been a little bit more popular yeah. out of those other teams. And if you look around the league, there's teams that have interest in him. So to Aaron's point, there is – there appears to be no future with Miles and Indiana. I think we just have to acknowledge that. It's a loss for the Pacers. Defensively, it's definitely a loss for a team that struggles on that end of the floor. But the reality is, if he's not going to re-sign here, you have to move him by February. Point blank. Yep. You've got to trade him by February, get some return on him. Maybe he'll go elsewhere. I Whatever. He'll be Lakers. I know Greg, Greg Doyle just ripped Turner and thinks he'll absolutely wilt out there with LeBron. I... I don't know. I mean, it, it, you know, here I think he thinks as himself as more of a bigger option. I would think with LeBron and Anthony Davis, you would hope that he would realize he's not that. Um, he's a big fish in a small pond, I feel like, here in Indiana. If he goes to the, the Lakers, 
you're not you've got LeBron, you've got Anthony Davis, you got maybe Russell Westbrook if he's still around too. So you become like the third or fourth option on a team that has more more big money guys that'll get the blame more than Turner if he doesn't show out for a game. But it would be a dream if somehow you know, Pacers already have three first round picks for next year. They could get another out of Buddy or Miles or, or both. Um, and then I would think you could still get something of note. Because um, I've made the puzzle analogy before with the Pacers, but how I kind of view this season is in the NBA, you need three big pieces to the puzzle. I think Halliburton and Matherin are two of the three. So you got to go find that third piece. I think that comes in next year's draft. Whether it's your own pick, whether you're packaging picks together, you're moving up, who knows what that looks like. And then you obviously need like four other pieces, the complimentary guys of can Duarte be one of those? Can Jalen Smith be one of those? Is Isaiah Jackson one of those? You know, I think the Pacers need like a bigger wing. I think Matherin's a nice kind of two guard. I think you need a bigger wing at that three position. And then if and when you do move Turner, you're going to have to find a center of the future. And if it's not Isaiah Jackson, of course, that's got to come outside of your building. I also think you have to have some confidence, uh, you know, not to say not stealing from the Philadelphia 76ers, but trust the process that if you're trading Miles Turner, you're probably losing a few more games, which means you're probably upping your percentage in the lottery picks. Well, I hope not. I'm trying to get to 30 wins. Well, I understand that you have a selfish you have a selfish <laughs> game in here, but I'm just saying if you want to try to get maybe uh, Webb and Yama, I don't know. That seems like that that seems like grasping at you know the highest of stars right now. But if you want to try to get better. I know that Kevin's financials might take a hit. Right. But well, we want to have Max's a long college fund. That's true. Right now, we are looking after week one of the NBA season. We were heavily in the homeschool front. Mm-hmm. We were kind of looking into that. Now, I think we're back looking at some colleges, maybe just state colleges, but we are back. Three and five, right? That's yeah. the Pacers? Yeah. Let's do the math. So, three divided by eight. What's that? A little less than 40%. 37.5%. Okay. Times 82. Mark Dykton. What does that say? Read the calculator. 30.75. 30.75. We are on pace, folks, for 30. Now, you don't want to start off at like get some electives knocked out first before you go to like a state school or something like that. Save on that tuition money just yeah, a little well, bit. Yeah, well, yeah. Who knows what college is going to look like. And if he gets his dad's athleticism, Lord knows nothing will be coming from an athletic standpoint. Well, get him on the golf course. Maybe. Well, yeah. Yeah, you get are some right. birdies Maybe or there. something. <laughs> get some birdies. <sighs> yeah, I'm just saying if you want to, if you want long term, you know, health for the Pacers, you move Miles Turner in Buddy Heald, you get some kind of return on investment, and hopefully, unfortunately, Kevin will take a hit financially, but you'll boost the uh, draft draft process, and hopefully, you get your name called a little higher in the draft lottery when it comes to be, you know, April, May, around then. Hopefully, uh, this from Zach Kiefer. Again, a little bit more steam building on the Naheem Hines front. Zach retweets his former colleague, Stephen Holder. Would that be, I guess, former co-worker, yeah. right? Yeah, they still were colleagues. Yeah. Um, They're still friends. They still have each oh, yeah, other's certainly. number. Again, Stephen tweeted this. Everything I'm hearing right now about the status of things with Colts running back Naheem Hines indicates odds are good he will be traded by tomorrow's deadline. Colts haven't gotten the offer they want just yet. But there's a strong feeling they just might stay tuned. That was Steven last night at 10.15. Zach Kiefer just now retweets that and adds, Hearing the same thing after a few conversations this morning, at this point, it's a win. 
not an if Hines is dealt today. More smoke to that fire. It is kind of crazy with all the offseason chatter about him. And again, so much of it internal. The Colts were went out of their way to talk about Hines that he could be gone, you know, before Thanksgiving. Or, I mean, hell, just traded. Well, I mean, you say that, but then a week ago we heard we have I Matt know. Ryan. And then we, I know. We got Isn't Sam Ellinger on Sunday. So that doesn't really surprise me. The franchise, you know, seems to kind of contradict everything that they say. Be very curious to see what the return is. You have talked about that I a lot be, today, Mark. I will be stunned fourth, if it's fifth, higher than a fourth. Where is it? Is it there? Is it less than that? Um, a fourth seems generous. And that's not a knock at Naheem Hines. I'm just saying from all the other trades that we've seen yeah, go na- down. Nature of, his, of the position. Right. And just, I would be surprised. But I also, they value him. They say they value him. So will they give him up for a fifth round pick? I don't know. Dane Brugler, NFL draft expert in less than 10 minutes. The pop quiz. We're pushing a little bit later today in our ticket giveaway, Mark. WWE SmackDown tickets. So that so if you're a wrestling fan, you want to stick around because we're giving a pair of tickets away the rest of the week for WWE SmackDown. Going to be in town at Gainbridge Fieldhouse on Friday, November 11th. So should be a should be a good time. It's always fun when the wrestling companies come to town. So if you're a wrestling fan, hang tight. Really looking forward to the Dane Brugler conversation in a few. Let's hit a morning checkdown. Pacers couldn't make it two in a row against the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets topped the Pacers 116 to 109, snapped their four-game losing streak. Kevin Durant, 36 points. Kyrie Irving, 28. Chris Duarte, best performance of his career on the season this year, 30 points right there. Buddy Heald, 22, continues to impress. And Pacers will get uh get some time off. They play again Friday when they host the Miami Heat. Eight of ten. Eight of their next ten now at home after this five-game road trip, including the next four at Gamebridge. Monday Night Football last night, that one stunk. Browns routed the Bengals 32-13. We need that sound. Well, I Start mean, November. We've got a nice guest coming up in a few minutes. He's not here yet for a few more minutes. We can make some fart sounds. Uh, 32-13, Browns routed the Bengals in an in-state battle. Uh, that's the end of week eight. Week nine starts with uh, the Eagles host uh, taking on the Texans in Houston on Thursday Night Football. That is already a two-touchdown uh, two-touchdown betting line. Speaking of Houston and Philadelphia, Game 3 of the World Series tonight postponed due to Mother Nature last night. So Game 3, 4, and 5 in Philly each of the next three nights. Um, Again, we know the series will at least go 5. Game 6 would be Saturday. Game 7 would be Sunday. Uh, Not great for Major League Baseball that now those games are slotted into Saturday and Sunday. But uh, if the series goes 6 or 7, you'd think some interest would be rising there. A 1-1 right now. Sounds like a bullpen game tonight for the Phillies. Lance McCullers for the Strohs. Colts news yesterday. Um, not good. Tyquan Lewis is out for the year. Feel absolutely awful for the guy in a contract year. Ruptured his patella tendon last year in his right knee on thanks or on Halloween. Non-contact. Had an interception. A huge play in the Colts-Titans game last year. He fumbled. On the play, uh, really kind of turned the season around. It obviously ended it for him. And then Sunday, uh, on that opening drive or on that final drive for the Commanders, pass rush move by Lewis going upfield, and he ruptures a patella tendon again in his left knee. His season is over. Feel absolutely awful for, for him. A key piece to your defensive line right now. Versatile, productive, consistent. And a guy that was playing a good amount without Quiddy Pay. So we'll see 
where Quiddy Pay is at in his return. He's missed the last three weeks due to an ankle injury. Uh, speaking of ankles, the other one to watch will be Jonathan Taylor. He did tweak that same right ankle um, on Sunday on that 27-yard run. He finished the game. I mentioned this earlier. Mark, I went back and watched the telecast yesterday. Uh, at halftime, they said that there was some question about if Taylor would finish the game. Frank Reich wasn't sure, so um, if that flared up, how it reacted to Sunday's game, something to keep an eye on. Something to keep an eye on. Dane Brugler, coming up next, it's Kevin and Query, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Typically, I think he's the best draft analyst out there. Uh, Dane Brugler from The Athletic is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. The Beast is his all-encompassing, God, I don't even know how many pages it is, uh, an absolute must-read that'll come out just before the draft each year. I think it's fun to go back and look at you know, past prospects. I did it this past week with Sam Ellinger just to get – uh, Dane's thoughts on when Ellinger came out of Texas and um, so many great tidbits in there. And uh, Dane is busy working on that. Looking ahead to the 2023 draft coming up in April. Dane, as always, thank you for the time, man. No, of course. Anytime. Good morning. Uh, Dane, I want to begin, I guess, with the quarterback class. Um, certainly with the Matt Ryan benching, the Sam Ellinger a starting job, all eyes here in Indy on the quarterback class. Just your early thoughts on this year's group. Yeah, I think after last year where we saw one quarterback go in the first 73 picks, uh, anything was going to be an upgrade. And so this year with this uh, upcoming class, assuming Bryce Young from Alabama uh, declares, assuming C.J. Stroud, uh, Ohio State declares, this is going to be a, a much better quarterback class. Now, I don't think it's going to be, uh, you know, like this group of can't-miss passers. It's not going to be to that level but clearly an upgrade over what we saw last year. Um, and it'll be interesting because Bryce Young is, in my opinion, the best quarterback prospect in this draft. Uh, it's just, it, if you can get past the size, uh, he is a complete outlier in terms of his, not just his height. We've seen Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson and, and shorter quarterbacks uh, be able to be productive in the league. But Bryce Young is not, he's not, he doesn't have the same build as those guys. Uh, you know, the last uh, 25 years, there's only been two quarterbacks that have been drafted over, of the 300 quarterbacks drafted, only two uh, were under six foot and under 200 pounds, like Bryce Young will be. And neither of those guys were drafted in the top three rounds. So Bryce Young, from a size perspe- perspective, is a complete outlier. But if you can get past that, he checks so many boxes that you're looking for at the position, the way he processes, the poise, uh, his athleticism to uh, use his legs, get outside the pocket, move the pocket, um, extend plays, and, and make things happen. He just His vision and instincts are really, really impressive, and, he, and he's very accurate on the move as well. So if I'm going to bet on one of these guys, it's going to be Bryce Young, even with the size concerns. Uh, I do like C.J. Stroud. I think he's a very accurate quarterback. Uh, and when things are in structure, it looks very pretty. I mean, he has the pacing, uh, the ball placement. Uh, just it, it makes it look very easy. But when things break down, when either he's moved from a spot or you know there's pressure that he's dealing with, that's where it, it's just he's not nearly as comfortable. And in the NFL, you have to be able to make things happen outside of structure. And that's why with C.J. Stroud, I still you know he's going to be an NFL starter. Um, but I'm not. I don't love him as much as maybe you know others who think he should be the number one overall pick. 
if those two are on a tier, and maybe it's you know Bryce Young ahead of C.J. Stroud in your eyes, who would you put mm-hmm. on that second tier uh, or, or third tier of quarterbacks? Yeah, I think it's Will Levis uh, from Kentucky, who um, he's definitely a complicated player uh, because physically he's the prototype. Size, 6'4", 230, a really athletic and mobile guy, um, and there's nothing slow about the way he moves, uh, his release, his feet. Um, he's a very, in, in, you know, in the NFL, you need tough guys. And this guy is physically tough. He can play through injuries. He's durable. And, you know, talking to scouts, they say that he has the intelligence to handle an NFL playbook. That's not, uh, you know, the processing part of it is not an issue for him. But the on-field results at Kentucky have just been too inconsistent. And so, uh, you know, what's the upside that he offers? Uh, that, that, that's where the answer to that question is going to be different from team to team. And they, as they view, okay, what's the ceiling? What, with our coaches, what more are we getting out of him? Um, you know, it's, it, it, he's dealing this year with, you know, offensive line that's been struggling. Uh, you know, he lost his top weapon from a year ago. There's a new play caller, even though it's a very similar offense. So there's a lot of things that's working against Will Levis, but still you want to see better consistency on the field. Nonetheless, there's too many there's too many traits there that teams are going to say, hey, we can, with our coaching, this guy can win football games for us. So Will Levis is going to be a first-round pick. It's just a matter of how high. Um, but he's in that next tier. And then after that, I would put Tanner McKee from Stanford and then Hendon Hooker from, uh, from Tennessee, who's, who's a really – talented player clearly the Heisman favorite at this point uh but in that offense where it's a lot of half field reads um you know it's just it's a very quarterback friendly offense it it can be a little bit of a tougher evaluation Dane one of the names I've seen uh obviously given the Colts situation uh one of the names I've seen in some very early mock drafts is Florida's Anthony Richardson so I didn't Mm -hmm. hear his name mentioned in any of the names you, you ran off just a little bit earlier where does he rank for you and what do you see as his NFL potential yeah, he, he's so tough because he is so gifted. I mean, he is, he, he looks, he's an oversized linebacker, uh, just physically, the way he looks and the way he plays. Uh, but he runs, he's going to run the four threes, four fours. I mean, just a phenomenal athlete. Uh, he's got an absolute hose for an arm, but uh, he not, has not been accurate. Um, you know, a lot of times his, his passes are sprayed. Um, the Just in terms of understanding, based off pre-snap reads, where to go with the football, what the defense is doing, he's just not at that level yet. And, I mean, I, I, I hope he goes back to school, goes back to Florida, because he needs more time. The NFL is not a developmental league, um, especially a guy like this who I think he needs on-field reps. You know, it's, it's not like just, you know, sit him for a year and let him learn. I, I want This guy needs to be on the field so he can see live action and get better. He's a redshirt sophomore, so still very, very young. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what he does after this year. If he feels like, you know what, I'm because he does take a lot of hits, and so he might say, hey, I, I'm ready to go now. I'm, you know, uh, pres- preserve my body for the next level. Um, and if he does come out, it'll be a really interesting evaluation because of it, it's all based on upside. It, it's all based on on talent and where you think he's going to be three, four years from now. And and that's a really tough thing to do. So I, I, I there's a he could still be a first rounder. I mean, you can't rule that out. But it, it would be really tough to take him that early when, you know, yes, he is extremely gifted, but there's just there's so much projection there, and, and that makes him a tough evaluation. Again, it's Dane Brugler, the Athletics NFL Draft Analyst, at DP Brugler, B-R-U-G-L-E-R, 
on Twitter. Um, Dane, when you look at, I guess I got one more on, on the quarterback front. Um, any guys that you maybe or you're hearing kind of slotted day two, day three that you're keeping an eye on is maybe a guy that, hey, he's you know fourth or fifth round, but if I see a little bit more or he has a strong pro day, et cetera, you could see him moving up a little bit. Well, I think that uh, among the underclassmen, Will Rogers um, over at Mississippi State um, is a guy that, you know, there's a lot of parallels with uh, Bailey Zappi, uh, who we're, you know, seeing do some nice things with the Patriots. Um, you know, a guy that uh, maybe there's nothing really explosive about him in terms of his movements, in terms of his arm, but uh, he knows where to go with the football and he understands placement. He'll throw uh, guys open consistently. So Will Rogers is a name to keep in mind if we're talking about you know those mid rounds and then it, with, among the senior class, I really like Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue. I don't think he's going to be necessarily a guy that's pegged as an NFL starter. Um, I think he's going to be more of a backup who and maybe a possible spot starter. But he's a guy that has a lot of things going for him. And I, you know, I know uh, you know a lot of I'm sure a lot of your audience is familiar with him playing at Purdue. Uh, a guy who's a six-year senior. He's played a lot of football. Former walk-on. Um, but you know, there's a lot of things about his game that you say, okay, yeah, this will work at the next level. So I'm not saying that Aiden O'Connell is going to be an NFL starter, but he's going to be in the league for a while because uh, there's a lot of things about his game that translate. And if he gets on the field, uh, you know, he's got a chance to at least help his team win football games. Colts have a lot of uh, holes on offense. Needless to say, left tackle, another one. What are some top left left tackle prospects you could see? Uh, in the draft in the first round that could be cornerstones for a young team like the Colts? Initially, I thought this off at the tackle class was going to be a pretty weak group, uh, you know, one of the weaker positions this year. But we've seen a few underclassmen really emerge, and that that changes things. Um, And and the top guy uh, is Olu Fashanu from Penn State, the left tackle. Uh, This guy is only 19 years old. He's a redshirt sophomore, nine career starts, but, man, is he impressive. I mean, he's 320 pounds, but he moves like he's 250 pounds. Um, he's got that core strength so he can sit down versus power. Uh, he's rangy. He understands angles. His hand technique's really impressive. Really smart guy who works at his craft. So, Olu Fashanu, definitely a name to keep in mind. Um, Paris Johnson, Jr. from Ohio State. Uh, he moved from right guard to left tackle this year, more natural at left tackle. He's been outstanding, zero sacks, zero penalties committed uh, for the Buckeyes. Um, and then an Indianapolis native uh, at right tackle, uh, Dewan Jones. Has yeah, been, Ben Davis uh, product. Yeah, very, very impressive. Now, I think he's probably more of a right tackle. That's where he's comfortable. Um, but, I mean, just, uh, just so impressed with the improvements that he has made. Six, eight and a half, 360 pounds. Over 36 inch arms, almost 90 inch wingspan. The, the, the man is humongous. Um, but the biggest difference between last year's tape and this year's tape is his balance and space. He is doing a much better job staying controlled versus those wide nine rushers. Because we know what against the you know tight splits. Once he gets his hands on you, he he can he can absolutely control defenders. But what about in space where he's going to face speed and uh, guys uh, uh, trying to capture the corner? That's where Dewan Jones has made these huge strides this year, and he's put himself uh, in the top 50 mix. So uh, one of the bigger risers that we've seen this season. And then one other guy to mention, uh, another Big Ten. It's a very Big Ten um, strong class at tackle. Uh, Peter Skorowski at Northwestern. Now, it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of chatter 
about uh, his arm length because it's going to be probably between 32 and 32 and a half inches. And for most teams, you want 34 inches or at the very least 33 inches. So there's going to be a lot of noise about Peter Skronsky's arm length. But I tell you what, he on tape, he, he figures it out. Uh, part of it is just how quick he is in, in his pass sets. Part of it is how smart he is, where he understands what defenders are trying to do. That's just from, from tape study he knows, and he's, he's very natural in his movements. So I think he deserves a chance at left tackle. But at the very least, we're talking about a, a Zach Martin type of journey to go in from a college left tackle inside the guard if that's the path that he takes. So regardless, uh, you know, the, these, uh, those four Big Ten tackles are, are all guys that are, are high in NFL radars. Another Indy native there in Zach Martin. Yeah, watching Dewan Jones play basketball in high school was quite the treat mm-hmm. with his athleticism <laughs> and size. Dane, just a couple more here. And as always, thank you for the time. Again, Dane Brugler from The Athletic, NFL Draft Guru, is with us here. Um, I'm going to ask about a couple local guys. Charlie Jones from Purdue, the transfer from Iowa, has had a really strong season with Aiden O'Connell. And then up in South Bend, um, there are some other guys outside of Michael Mayer, but I think if you watch him, you'll realize he's about the only thing Notre Dame's got in the pass-catching department, and uh, he's a name that's been talked about for several years. Yeah, that Notre Dame offensive game plans, uh, basically just, yeah, find 87, throw it to them. And you know what? That's okay because it's better than them underutilizing him uh, because they they know what they have with Michael Mayer. He's he's so impressive. Uh, You know, another guy with a basketball background. I mean, he wanted to play. uh, You know, he thought he'd be playing Kentucky basketball uh, in college. But then in in high school, he kind of – uh, gravitated towards football and the way his body grew and just the, the, he's just a very natural football player. One, one scout put it to me like this. He, he's made out of vibranium. I mean, he is that type of toughness, that type of body type. And he's not an elite athlete. We're not talking about a Kyle Pitts, uh, maybe not even a TJ Hawkinson type of athlete, but uh, good enough where, you know, there's no wasted movements in his routes. Um, so he might not be sudden, but he's very natural in everything that he does. And he's one of the better contested catch tight ends that we've seen the last few years uh those tight windows he will win more times than not uh going up against defenders so you know, michael mayer he is pegged for the first round no doubt charlie jones uh yeah it's good to see him uh you know being able to kind of blossom um you know started at buffalo then he goes to iowa uh you know made a lot of uh, plays on special teams but not enough on offense okay he leaves this summer goes to uh, purdue and uh, it's been really fun to watch him uh, with his old buddy O'Connell. He, he's he's got speed. I mean, this guy is a legit four three, low four four type of athlete, um, and he's really been able to show his ball skills. He snatches the ball away from his body and makes something happen. So Charlie Jones has gone from uh, probably a priority free agent to definitely a draft pick. Dan, last one for me. Uh, in your opinion, the position group with the strongest and weakest groups in the 2023 draft class. Defensive line is definitely the strongest. Um, I've got my top 50, my updated top 50 um, coming out tomorrow on The Athletic, uh, my first update since August. And uh, the, the most represented position is edge rusher. There's 11 guys on there. Um, it, it's a really, really loaded group. Um, and even defensive tackle is a, is a strong group this year. So defensive line, without a doubt, um, the strongest position this year. Uh, the weakest, I, I thought it might be offensive tackle, but the way that the, some of these guys have blossomed, I don't think so. Uh, maybe the interior of the offensive line, um, it, it's not a particularly strong group. I only have one in my top 50. Um, and I think it's also worth noting that wide receiver 
it, we're still going to have guys go because it's receiver. Guys are going to go early, but it's not like the last few years. The last few, last three years, we've had at least five receivers in the first round every single year. We probably don't see that this year, uh, and we probably don't see a receiver in the top ten. It's just that not not that type of receiver group um, th- this year compared to the the riches that we've had the last two or three years. Interesting stuff. Again, Dane Brugler, top 50, as he said, comes out tomorrow. Check that out on The Athletic. And, Dane, hopefully we can have you on a couple more times before the draft in April. Um, His stuff is great, not only during the college season, but, of course, we'll get much more into it here when the calendar turns to 2023. Dane, safe travels around the college football world, and I appreciate the time. Anytime. Thank you. That's Dane Brugler right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Uh, Mark, pop quiz coming up next and the giveaway. Do, pair of tickets to WWE SmackDown on November 11th at Gamebridge. Line right. them up. We'll do that next. 317-239-1070. Pop quiz. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the pop quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. It is pop quiz time, and Kevin was shocked that the phone lines lit up like they did. I said, Kevin, Indianapolis is a wrestling town. I don't know about shocked. I was pleasantly surprised. Well, I'm telling you right now. Indianapolis is a wrestling town. They will show out. And we've got WWE SmackDown tickets, a pair of tickets to WWE SmackDown on Friday, November 11th at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. See Roman Reigns, Ronda Rousey, all the crew. Will McAfee be there? I don't know. He's usually doing the college game day, but it's in his backyard, so I, I would not be surprised if we see a Pat McAfee show up on Friday Night SmackDown. couple quick items to get to before the pop quiz. Again, the Naheem trade talks seem to be a little bit smoky now leading into 4 o'clock. Will we see some fire? Um, Zach Kiefer said it is a win, not if he will be traded a little bit earlier. We'll see about Ryan Kelly. I think the Colts would have some interest in, in making calls, but that film and that contract, not ideal. Got Maction tonight with Ball State. And Tony Kanaan, another Indy 500 ride for TK with Errol McLaren Racing. Pato Ward, Felix Rosenquist, Tony, and Alexander Rossi in that four-car team. All right, Mark, a number one through eight. Pair of tickets, so let's go with number two. Numero dos. That's Eddie. Eddie. What's up, Eddie? Hey, hey great morning. Eddie, uh, you called because you heard the prize? Absolutely. Yeah, need some father-daughter time, so this will be awesome. Who's your uh, Who's your favorite WWE wrestler? Uh, I'm, I would struggle to name any of the current ones, but back in the day, as Macho Man. That, oh, yeah. There you go. Who's uh, Who's your daughter's favorite? You know what? Uh, it's going to be more of the experience. I don't know that she knows okay. any of the wrestlers either, but honestly, but it's just the, spending time with the daughter. All right. I will give you a pass because it's father-daughter time. I was I'm say, a, Mark's I'm a, jealous. I'm a sucker for father-daughter time. All right, Eddie, let's see how you do today. Congrats on the early win already following last night's game in Brooklyn. Who leads the Pacers in scoring average this season? Buddy Heald, Benedict Matherin, Tyrese Halliburton, or Chris Duarte? Mm. Oh, man, it's going to be between Mathern and Heald. This guy struggled a little uh, bit late last night. Uh, Mathern then. Hmm. Heald. <laughs> Heald. Hmm. <laughs> oh, Turner, boy. Turner struggled. Heald, Matherin, Halliburton, Duarte. I'll go with Halliburton. Man, what a hell of a guess. Naheem Hines is reportedly 
the Colts' prime candidates be traded before this afternoon's NFL trade deadline? Where did Hines play college football? Auburn, North Carolina State, Wake Forest, or Ole Miss? No idea. NC State. Ooh. Nice. That was a hell of a guess hell as well. Guess, Eddie. All right, number three, Browns beat the Bengals 32-13 last night on Monday Night Football. Cleveland held the Bengals scoreless until the fourth quarter. The Browns have not shut out an opponent since 2007, and their 235-game streak is the second-longest active streak without a shutout in the NFL. Name a team that has gone 500 straight NFL games without pitching a shutout. Dolphins, Texans, Raiders, Commanders. Oh, so Commanders. Off to a rough boy, start. Eddie, Eddie's kind Jake of query could guess like this. Eddie's kind of turned a corner here. The Butler Bulldogs return to action tonight with an exhibition game against the Davenport University Panthers. Thad Mata returns as Butler's head coach this season. He went 24 and 8 in his lone season as Bulldogs head coach in 2000-2001. Tony Hinkle is the winningest men's basketball coach in Butler history with 558 victories. Who is the second on Butler's men's basketball wins list? Barry Collier, Joe Sexton, Brad Stevens, or Todd Licklider? Go Licklider. All right, and to round things out on this day in 1924, duh, the Boston Bruins officially joined the NHL, which was the first United States-based team to join the NHL. The Bruins, the New York Rangers, the New York Americans, or the Pittsburgh Pirates? This is Scotty's version of Stone Cold Steve Austin's Double God. Birds. That's what that is. Unbelievable, Scotty. Uh, could I have those answer, request, answers one more time, please? Yeah, I, part of me wants to say, does it really matter, A, B, C, or D? But you know what? Maybe your hockey knowledge is up there, Eddie. Uh, the Bruins, the New York Rangers, the New York Americans, or the Pittsburgh Pirates? Let's go the Americans. It's the oddball of them, it sounds like were the Pirates really an NHL team? Mm-hmm. Interesting, Scotty. All right, let's see how Eddie did. The Regardless leading... how you do, you get the pair of tickets. So yes, stay on the line. line. Uh, the leading score, uh, this took a little hand-holding, right? Were we crossing the street on I Halloween I mean, it was there? more than a little. Okay. I mean, fourth time's a charm. Right. Uh, 21.9 points per game, Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, where did Naheem Hines, no, Naheem Hines go to college? NC State, correct? Ran track there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a guess for number three. The team that has now gone 500 straight NFL games without pitching a shutout. They almost held the Colts without a touchdown on Sunday. The Commanders. After that, uh, after uh, Tony Hinkle, who's the second wingest, winningest men's basketball coach at Butler, he said, Todd Licklider, it was Barry Collier. 196 wins. Brad Stevens, 166. Joe Sexton, 143. Todd Licklider, 131. We're hoping to have Thad Mata on later in the week. I think Butler, New Orleans, I believe, is Monday. Uh, college basketball regular season stuff gets underway next week. Mark, you said Butler pre-exhibition uh, tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So uh, yeah, Number five in- was Bruins, by the way. Yeah, the Bruins. So there you go. If you're wondering about your 1924 hockey knowledge, that's what it was. All right, Mark, over under a half Colt that gets traded today. I'm going to say over. Over under one and a half Colts to get traded today. Under. So you are going with the Naheem Hines trade? Sure. I mean, I mean, I would I would like them to do more than – if they can get something for Ryan Kelly, by all means, pull the trigger on that. But I'm going to go ahead and say they get one done. With this question in the YouTube chat, we can hit on a little bit more tomorrow. You think any of this is a Naheem Hines trade request? I mean, that could be true. I mean, 
He's been under the way they talked him up and the way they've utilized him have been right totally opposite. And I think some of this reporting appears to me to be agent driven. If you look at kind of the tone and and a little bit of the wording behind that, um, I think it would make sense from the Heinz camp to obviously be displeased with how he's been utilized here. And Indy, we'll recap all of that again four o'clock. The NFL trade deadline. Uh, we'll break it down tomorrow with you. Talk a little Purdue basketball as well. Everybody have a great Tuesday, great start to November. See you tomorrow.